a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. crew welcome to dancing is forbidden in aqua teen hunger force exploration i am ronnie and on this podcast i am watching through and talking about every aqua teen episode one episode at a time and the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is season two episode 21 the dressing anti-taco legislation disestablishmentarianism the dressing premiering december 14th 2003 and we have the return in some ways of the cybernetic ghost of christmas past from the future this isn't the first time they are bringing a character back again of course there's an asterisk here we will get into this later in the episode of is this really the cybernetic ghost or not there's a lot of question around that but this isn't the first time they're bringing a character back. They had MCP Pants come back as Super Sirloin this season. And if you listen to my coverage of that episode, I wasn't really a huge fan of that one. However, this time around, I feel like they really get it right bringing back a character like this. And they do it in a very different way and an interesting way because it is different. And I don't know, maybe I'm saying too much up front about my thoughts about this one. But that's really what stands out to me and excites me to, to dive into this one, to see what this one gets right compared to Super Sirloin, in my opinion, of course. Also worth mentioning up front is we have another holiday episode, this being our first and to my knowledge only Thanksgiving episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I, I like that they bring the cybernetic ghost character back in these instances to be like a holiday character who shows up around holidays. They don't always continue this, but that's how they're doing it in this period of the show. I also bet you're dying to know why this episode is called The Dressing. Well, in this episode, I'm going to tell you why. But all right, before we talk more about this episode, you know, we got some other stuff to talk about. First up, we have our Aqua Teen news this week. Hot off the presses, we have a brand new trailer from the Aqua Teen Hunger Force Rabot Rebuilt project that I've mentioned a bunch on this, on this show. That project started the same time I started this podcast, so I've been mentioning it here and there. If you are not familiar, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force Rabot Rebuilt project, it's a bunch of animators reanimating scenes from the Rabot episode, and then it is going to be compiled into just a full episode you could watch, but Again, keep in mind the point of this is it's all different animators doing just a few seconds each of the episode and they all have their own unique styles so the style just keeps changing and it's really cool to see how many different interpretations people have of this episode. Of course, worth mentioning this is not the first Aqua Teen reanimation project. There was one for Broodwitch uh, about a year or two ago, so link to that one in the show notes as well. But again, we have a trailer for this Rabot one and soon enough we're going to have two Fully reanimated episodes of Aqua Teen. What a time to be alive. Next up, we have the Baffler Meal Complete Aqua Teen Hunger Force Collection. It's shipping. I've seen people post their screenshots that their box set has shipped. So, you know, you can rest your worries that this thing is actually coming out. Of course, if you, if you will remember that it was delayed at some point. So we weren't really sure if it was actually coming out September 20th or not. But people are getting their copies. Mine has not shipped yet. Actually, so I forgot to uh, pre-order mine because I pre-ordered it originally back when it first came out. Then they canceled it. And then, you know, uh, it was listed again, and I, I never got around to re-pre-ordering it. So I finally did that last night, but if, as I would expect, it hasn't shipped yet. So I don't know, but I'm currently recording this on the 17th. 
I suspect people will have it in their hands on the 20th or maybe the 21st. It's supposed to be out the 20th. So we will see exactly what that entails. Again, we have no idea what features are even on this thing. I would suspect it's everything that's already on the existing DVDs, but we don't know if there's any new features. We don't know what the packaging will look like in any capacity whatsoever. I suspect it's going to be pretty generic, but I would love to be proven wrong on this. No idea, but just wanted to let you know that those are shipping out. Me being a dummy, I realized what I should have done when this was announced as well as the, the Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm film. I should have made Amazon affiliate links for you if you would like to buy it and support the podcast at no extra cost. I could have those links. I, I am in the process of doing that. So if you were planning on buying this box set or the film from Amazon, uh, if you want to support the podcast, then if you want to hold out on that for, for uh, like another week or so, I am working on that so that you can support the podcast at no extra cost to you and you could buy all this Aqua Teen stuff. I should have done that right away, but you know, I'm just here in my basement talking teens. I'm not you know always thinking about, uh, hey, how can I make money off this thing? So uh, lesson learned, I guess. Real quick, I have a couple things I want to add on from previous episodes that I didn't get to mention in those episodes. First of all, I want to shout out Speed Beats over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord server, or you can find him over on Twitter at Speed Beats with a Z. Link to this in the show notes. He pointed out that there is a deleted scene in the film The Ring with Aqua Teen Hunger Force in it. I had no idea, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, a couple weeks ago, I was joking about how on Amazon, they were trying to bundle the Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm Blu-ray with the Ring Steelbook. I was like, that makes no sense at all, and come to find out there is a connection between the two, because in the deleted scenes of The Ring, which is a horror film, you can see Aqua Teen Hunger Force on a TV set. Somebody's watching Aqua Teen Hunger Force, in that deleted scene. So, of course, I do not expect whatsoever that Amazon actually, like, knew this, but there's just this really strange coincidence between the two that it kind of does make sense that those two are being bundled together as a possible bundle that you could buy. I wouldn't really recommend it. I mean, I guess The Ring is a decent enough film. I hear the original Japanese version is better, but the American version, it's, it's good enough, I guess. The next thing I want to bring up, and it's probably not even worth bringing up, and I hope I don't make it seem weird that I am bringing it up because nobody said anything whatsoever to me. But in the previous episode, I pointed out that I did in fact see Hayden Ward's Facebook profile and that she, from what I could just see on that page, is doing well. And I didn't mention the reason I found her page was because before I can get any information on her, I was thinking of just reaching out directly to her, but I didn't want to do that because she isn't a public figure. And luckily I didn't have to do that. Or maybe she would be interested in talking at some point. I don't know. We'll see. But I just wanted to point that out. That's why I was trying to find her Facebook page was like, I really want to reach out to this person. But then I, luckily I didn't have to because Ned Hastings, MC Chris, Dave Willis, J. Wade Edwards, they helped me out. I didn't have to do that. But I, I should have mentioned that. And I forgot to mention it in the episode. I listened back to it at, at one point. I was like, oh, man, maybe I should uh, clarify a little bit, make it clear I'm not stalking people on Facebook, which, of course, that is not the case. Just wanted to reach out to her if I had to. But again, luckily, didn't have to. While we're on the topic of last week's episode, our coverage of the clowning, in that episode, Listener Cactus left us a voice message about, I want candy. There was some confusion with the lyrics. I gave my opinion. Of course, there's really no right or wrong answer, I don't think. Well, Cactus has a follow-up here. He's got another stumper for us. Let's check it out. Hey, Ronnie Cactus calling in again. Thank you for responding to that last message. Uh, I really like your response. I hadn't thought of it in that, you know, 
with that set of eyes before. So that definitely, I think that was a really good answer to that question. Thank you very much. I got another one for you though. So in Broodwitch, um, you know, the whole episode we're hearing about how the sandwich kills you, right? But it's not really the sandwich that kills you, is it? It's it's Jerry or, or Mr. Sticks or whatever his name is, right? So if Mr. Sticks or Jerry, whatever, was better at his job, wouldn't Shake have died after the first bite? You know, if he didn't decide to do the cool move with the axe where he accidentally cuts off his own leg, wouldn't he have killed Shake after the first bite? Or is it that you need to eat the full sandwich in order for Mr. Sticks to touch you, and that's why Shake keeps teleporting back? Because that would explain that. Because I remember, you know, you expressing confusion about that in the episode, and honestly, I never understood that either. But that might explain it. You need to eat the full sandwich in order for Jerry to kill you. Maybe. I don't know. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks for doing what you do. Cactus with a really great observation here. And what Cactus is saying is that, yeah, whenever Jerry, or as we learn in the deleted scenes, his real name is Dennis, whenever he tries to take a swing and kill Shake or presumably Meatwad, of course, we don't see that. We don't actually see Meatwad animated in that style in the episode. But when he tries to kill them, that's typically when they teleport back to the real world. And maybe it's because, oh, they didn't ingest the entire sandwich. Therefore, he can't actually hit them and it just causes them to teleport back. I'm totally on board with that theory. However, there is one little problem to this. And that is three minutes into the episode when when Shake takes his first bite of the brood witch, he's just kind of chilling out in that other dimension and nothing really happens. And then he just teleports back to the normal world. So otherwise, what Cactus said here, I completely agree with, but this part just kind of throws a wrench in things, and I'm not really sure what to make of it with that in mind. On retrospection of the episode, it doesn't really make sense why Shake gets brain surgery. He clearly seemed against it. There's no reason he should have gotten the brain surgery, but for whatever reason he does, then he eats the whole sandwich. Then we assume that that Jerry or Dennis or whoever you want to call him can actually kill shake because of that because he has ingested the full sandwich and maybe because he has the brain surgery he's in a vegetative like state essentially that he can't run away he can't escape i don't know again i i don't think there's any real logic to be found here the, the guys creating the show they just made it made things happen that needed to happen to serve the point of the jokes so, you know, we could kind of bicker about this all day, but I really dig what Cactus is onto here. And again, I fully am behind it, other than the question of that first, uh, at three minutes when Shake is there, there's no threat to him, and he just kind of leaves the dimension with nothing happening. Of course, thank you, Cactus, for this awesome question. I didn't expect to get these kinds of questions when I first started taking voice messages like this, so it's a lot of fun to be able to dig into other episodes that we've already covered and kind of try and tie up some loose ends or look at things from a different perspective. It's really a lot of fun and just fun to try and find logic in, in this just obviously logicless show. It's kind of like a, a fun mental puzzle or something like that. So, of course, thanks, Cactus, again. If you would like to send in your own voice message, a question like Cactus has, or just your Aqua Teen origin story, how you found Aqua Teen, or your thoughts on the podcast, or whatever you got for me, send it my way. Head on over to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden, or check the show notes. How easy is that? But all right, I don't know about you, but I'm itching to find out what the heck was happening the week that the dressing premiered. Let's go check it out. 
Having a sex accident all the way to the top of the box office this week, we've got Something's Gotta Give bringing in $16 million this week, which is not super impressive. I counted it out, and this was the seventh lowest grossing number one film this year. And of course, I mean, while it was the number one film that week, not over its lifetime. The lowest actually being Dickie Roberts, former child star with David Spade. That one only made $6.6 million. So at least they made $10 million more than that. But, uh, you know, for the cast in this one, that's pretty low. The cast being Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton, and Keanu Reeves. The gist of this one is Jack Nicholson. He's an older fella, but he's always banging young chicks somehow. Like, he's just always getting them like it's no big deal. And long story short, he gets in a sex accident while making sweet love to some young beauty. And she lives at her mom's house. And uh, the mom is Diane Keaton. And she's around Jack Nicholson's age. And uh, so Jack Nicholson, he's got to go to the, the doctor's office, who his doctor happens to be Keanu Reeves, you know, as it so happens. And from, from the trailer, I take it that Keanu Reeves and Diane Keaton, they start dating. And then Jack Nicholson, for whatever reason, he gets kind of jealous because he gets to know Diane Keaton because he's dating her daughter. And then he ends up falling in love with Diane Keaton, someone who is age appropriate for him. And he's like, oh, I've never done this before. I've never been interested in a woman my own age, except for when I was 20 years old, I guess. I don't know. But that's the film. And even though I'm kind of making fun of it here, the trailer for it was pretty good. I actually kind of dug the trailer. So I might want to check this thing out. It's kind of funny because Keanu Reeves is not on the poster for this one or, or like the, the art for it, which you would expect, you know, in 2022, his picture would be the biggest one there. But that's not quite the case in 2003. The film did end up making $266 million in the box office, so it was definitely a grower, not a shower. Because it came out two days before this episode of Aqua Teen premiered and before, uh, you know, this week in the box office began. So it did just come out this week and wasn't doing too hot. Maybe maybe word got around that, hey, this, this flick's pretty good. You should go check it out. The ratings on this one, it's got a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and a 72% on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems lower than I would expect based on uh, how entertained I was by the trailer. But who knows? Maybe the trailer has all the good parts in it and everything else sucks. I, I don't know. It's possible. Lastly, I gotta let you down and give you the bad news that there is no shared cast or crew between Something's Gotta Give and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. But all right, moving on here to music, this is going to be a quick one, my friend, because everything that's going on in music this week, we have talked about already. So our top album this week is the Black Album by Jay-Z. Coming back again, you know, I said last time we talked about this album that I'm like, oh, this, this might be the last time we talk about Jay-Z. I, I guess this might be the last time we talk about him because this album yet again is the top album for the week, selling an additional 260,000 copies, which that in itself is crazy, but this is not the first time it's shown up on the list. So the Black Album still going strong here. Our number one single this week is Hey Ya by Outkast. We have talked about the album that this is on, Speaker Box, The Love Below. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, so I'm not going to get too into Hey Ya. Of course, a great song, one of my favorite songs, but we've already played it. We've already talked about it. So moving on to our alternative track this week, we have yet again Numb by Linkin Park, which again, we've talked about. So we've talked about all this stuff, and I was trying to find some other piece of music to talk about, but I couldn't really find anything that I was actually that knowledgeable on that came out this week. So I guess this just sets the record for our shortest music segment on this podcast, because as you know, I love to blabber on about music, but uh, nothing to blabber on here. We've already blabbered about everything there is to talk about. So moving on to video games, I'm afraid it's basically the same situation. So we ran into this when we were covering season one of the show, because as I mentioned there... 
towards the end of the year, like in December, no good games are really coming out because every good game was crunch timed to hell to have out in time for Black Friday and the Christmas season. And I know it's only December 14th, but nobody's going to put a game out at this point because it's not going to sell as well because most people have done a lot of big Christmas shopping. So you just don't really see it. So looking at the games that came out this week, there's not really anything I'm finding worth talking about. And there are some bigger titles like Beyond Good and Evil coming to like a certain platform, but that game had already been out. So it's not a new game. So uh, real quickly, I guess I'll mention last week in the Frat Aliens episode, I talked a lot about RuneScape, but there was another game that came out that week. So the week previous to this episode of Aqua Teen airing, which was Deus Ex Invisible War. And I really like the first Deus Ex game, uh, basically Deus Ex. It's a shooter RPG kind of game where you're shooting people, but you also put stats into your character. Your character is like a cyborg and you can upgrade parts of your character. And the first Deus Ex game was very, very well received. It's still a stone cold classic to this day and totally worth playing. Even to this day, there's really no game that really competes with it in terms of the, the freedom it gives you to build your character how you want to, to interact with the story how you want to. Typically these games, they're filled with like conspiracy theories and like, you take a side of like the government or 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 a, a faction that's working against the government, all this kind of stuff. It's very cyberpunky, and there's just so much freedom in that first ASX game. Well, the game that came out this week previous to the dressing, Invisible War, isn't as well received. It's a little dumbed down because they put it on Xbox as well. It wasn't just coming out on PC. So they dumbed it down. I think, like, I understand why they dumbed down the things that they did because they wanted it to be more accessible. Because that first ASX game is kind of hard in the beginning. Your character, like, their aim is awful. Uh, you're, you're slow as hell. Your character just sucks in the beginning. You really have to kind of grind through the beginning to put points into your character so that they actually get better. I think they tried to really circumvent a lot of that in the second game. But people didn't like it because it wasn't as hardcore. And I'm sure there were parts of the game that just weren't that good. I've never played this second game. It didn't seem worth playing. But yeah, that's a little bit about Deus Ex and a game series that it, it, it did redeem itself. They are still putting these games out and they are well received. The ones that they put out these days, they're not as well received as the first game, but they're definitely better received than this game that came out in 2003. So Deus Ex is still going and I'm glad we can kind of touch on it here because there's nothing else worth talking about in the video game realm for this week. So all right, your mom dragged you to something's got to give. You didn't want to see it, but hey! wasn't that bad you kind of liked it it was a decent time you're not listening to fucking anything because nothing new is coming out you've heard all these songs before we need some new songs on these charts and you're not buying anything because nothing good's even coming out you're so bored you wanna end it all there's no point in living without some new content to consume well guess what adult swim they've got you covered and before I give you the Adult Swim lineup for this night, I want to say that all that previous stuff I just said was surprisingly autobiographical to an extent because I just can't believe how long it's taken me to record up to this point because typically when I go into this, recording this podcast, if I know there's some cool pop culture stuff to talk about, I'm all excited. I'm all hyped up and ready to go. Oh, I get to talk about this cool album or this cool game or whatever. And this week there was really none of that. So I've been sitting here for maybe four hours now recording up to this point because I just keep distracting myself because I'm like, oh my God, there was nothing interesting to talk about. But whew, the dark days are behind us. We're moving on now. We've actually got shit to talk about. Let's jump into it. What's coming on Adult Swim this night? At 11 p.m., we've got Aqua Teen Hunger Force with the dressing. You know that. That's why we're here. 11.15 p.m., we got C-Lab 2021, new episode, Meet Beck Bristow. 
I looked up the synopsis on this one because as you know, I am not that huge into C-Lab, even though I really should be because there is a lot of crossover that I'm missing out on. But I looked at the, the description of this one. Hollywood actor Beck Bristow comes to C-Lab to do research for an upcoming role. Is Hollywood actor Beck Bristow the hottest guy you've ever seen or what? I love that synopsis. That sounds really funny. But this episode only has a 6.3 out of 10. So that's not super great. So, uh, you know, it doesn't really entice me to actually watch the episode. My understanding of C-Lab is that it really fell off after a couple seasons. And, and I take it that this is a part of those seasons that just wasn't as good. But I could be wrong. If I am wrong, please let me know. I know there are some real C-Lab heads listening in. So please, uh, if I'm making a big fat mistake here... Let me know. But I get the impression that's not the case. So moving on, we've got a new Space Ghost Coast to Coast. At 11.30 p.m., we get Idlewild South. And like we discussed last week, the Space Ghost episode that showed up last week was In Memory of Elizabeth Reed. That was an Allman Brothers reference. Turns out all the episodes this season of Space Ghost, which is season eight, besides Baffler Meal, are Allman Brother references. So we've got uh, Whipping Post, Eat a Peach, In Memory of Elizabeth Reed, and Idlewild South, all being references to the Allman Brothers. And from what I can gather, this season of Space Ghost, again, besides Baffler Meal, is basically ran by Matt Harrigan. In a podcast, I heard Ned Hastings, of course, editor-producer on Aqua Teen, he talked about what was going on with Space Ghost around this time was they would kind of pass it around between showrunners, and, and the showrunners would kind of do what they could with it and then get bored and move on and pass it on to somebody else. So the previous season, season seven, we had Dave Willis and Matt Malero in charge, and now we have Matt Harrigan in charge. So Matt Harrigan, I assume, is a big Allman Brothers fan, or maybe he hates them and this is like a, a, a rip on them, I don't know. But this episode of Space Ghost, I watched it, and what seems to be going on this season with Space Ghost, which is, this is kind of like its last real season in a way, uh, it's really subversive. There's a lot of just silence, a lot, like, there's no really talking with the guests a whole lot. It's just Space Ghost kind of fucking around. And in a way, I appreciate that because it's so absurdist and just kind of a middle finger to the audience. But at the same time, a lot of people don't really vibe with that, and because of that, this season, apart from Baffler Meal, isn't rated that well. But, you know, it is what it is. I, th I think it's kind of cool. They're just kind of like, fuck this. And they have uh, Space Ghost and the, and the gang. They're just drinking tall boys, smoking cigarettes, and not really giving a shit about the episode. It's kind of fun. But that's our three new episodes this week in our Adult Swim lineup. We have Aqua Teen and C-Lab and Space Ghost with their new episodes. So moving on to old episodes... 11.45 p.m., we get the Brack Show with Splat. Midnight, the Oblongs with Get Off My Back. 12.30 a.m., we get Mission Hill with Andy Gets a Promotion. I've talked about Mission Hill a lot in this podcast. As you can tell, I love it. It's a really short series, unfortunately. As I said when I introduced the series, the idea was for every few episodes for the main character, Andy, to get a new job. Eventually, he would work his way up from working at a, a a mattress place. He was selling mattresses. The show was supposed to end with him becoming a famous cartoonist, but they never got to do it. And they were going to have all the characters age along with Andy. And that would have just been awesome. Unfortunately, though, it got canceled. But this episode, Andy gets a promotion... You can kind of hear where that is going. He's getting a better job, and he's kind of moving up to, to getting a better career from selling mattresses. At 1 a.m., we're starting with our anime. We get Cowboy Bebop with Ballad of Fallen Angels. And at 1.30 a.m., our last episode of this lineup, Rain the Conqueror with The Gordian Knot. So that's Aqua Teen, Sea Lab, Space Ghost, Brack Show, Oblongs, Mission Hill, Cowboy Bebop, and Rain the Conqueror. Really solid lineup. I like it. 
And you know what I was thinking about the other day? It's very surprising to me that streaming services don't try and add a social component to them like something like Spotify does and adding playlists. Because imagine how cool it would be, you know, a lot of these episodes are on HBO Max. How awesome it would be if if you could go through and make playlists for every night, uh, you know, that, that these episodes aired and you could watch them as if you were watching Adult Swim, obviously without the bumps and the commercials and stuff. But I, I'm really surprised that that nobody has done this yet, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see in the next few years that they start to uh, add social features and playlists. You know, playlists don't even have to be social. You can just make them for yourself. But yeah, just a bit of a bummer. Obviously, with something like Plex, or if you have the media yourself on your own computer, you can do something like this. But really a missed opportunity on the streaming platforms part. But all right, anyways, with all of that out of the way, what do you say we go talk about the dressing? This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you by Tube Socks. Are your feet cold? Tube Socks. Are your feet ugly? Tube Socks. Need to kill someone for eating your mother? Tube Socks. Tube Socks. They're laser guided. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is also, as always, brought to you by the wonderful supporters over at patreon.com slash dancingisforbidden, chipping in $1, $5, and even $10 a month to support this silly old podcast. Anyone signing up at the $5 and up tier gets access to over 12 hours of exclusive content just waiting for you over there right now. At the end of every month, we are deep diving into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters. And this month, we are wrapping up that film. Now, that's just the film itself. There's other things that need to be discussed after the fact. But pretty soon, we'll have that whole film locked and loaded and discussed. I'm excited to announce that we hit our goal over on the Patreon of a consistent $120 a month in donations coming in. Very much appreciated. So I am beginning work on an exclusive Baffler Meal coverage episode, but that's going to take a little bit of time because I'm going to be getting exclusive information from people who worked on the show on this episode. So I'm very excited to finally begin work on that. I appreciate everyone who, who subscribes over there for supporting the show, keeping this thing trucking along. If you want to support the show, but you can't afford to do so financially, totally understandable. Just sharing the show, talking about the show, posting about the show, even liking my stuff on social media at AquatinePod on Twitter and Instagram. That helps out a ton, and I appreciate that as well. Over on Instagram, we have Lord Squid Inkton taking things to the absolute next level. And Lord Squid Inkton here, he's a welder. He's in welding school and he has been welding up all sorts of little dancing is forbidden aqua teen projects. It's really awesome. You got to check it out. I can't even describe it. I can't do it justice. He's just kicking ass over there. I'm going to try and share those videos eventually on my own social media so more people can see them because he's just doing some really crazy things here. I can't believe my own eyes. You gotta check it out. I, I, can't, I can't describe it. Give it a look. You know that link's in the show notes. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The dressing premiering December 14th, 2003 with a TV 14 LV rating for infrequent coarse language and violence. And I think a big part of that is the Dr. Weird skit, which is pretty gory and graphic. The rest of the episode, I feel like, could probably pass for a PG. But uh, as we dive in more, maybe I'll find some evidence that that's a bad idea. I guess we'll find out. But nothing like super crazy bad in this one. But there is that Dr. Weird opening, so I could 
see why. Production code on this one is 221, and this is the 21st episode of season two, so no surprise there. We actually get some guest stars in this one. In the Dr. Weird skit, we get Seth Green playing himself, and then later on, we get Barry Mills playing Turkatron once they fix him, and, and he kind of does the hustling Tom Turkey voice that he is supposed to do. Of course, we have uh, in some form the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future showing up, and with that brings Matt Malero doing the voice there. So a few extra voices on this one, although the actual guest stars, Seth Green and Barry Mills, they really only have like one line each, so it's not much, but it's something. As I said up top, this is the first and to my knowledge only Thanksgiving episode of Aqua Teen, but we'll get into that a little bit more as we dive into the actual episode. So with all that out of the way, let's jump into our Dr. Weird skit. The intro opens up, we see Space Ghost's body on the ground, but there's no head, his head has been cut off, and his body is just squirting blood out of the neck hole all over the ground, and then we see Dr. Weird, and he is holding Space Ghost's head, he then takes it and just puts it on his head like a mask, it's very disgusting, while saying there can be only one, and then next to Dr. Weird, we see the television set that is in Space Ghost that has the guest on it, and we see Seth Green, who is is the co-creator of Robot Chicken, which of course debuted in 2005, so two years later, but uh, Seth Green, he's been acting since he was 10 years old and he's never stopped acting, so he's just been in 10 million things. Uh, related here, he is the voice of Chris Griffin in Family Guy, as well as some other voices. Around this time, he was on That 70s Show, he had been on Mad TV, Saturday Night Live, and you may also know him from the, the Austin Powers films, but it's Seth Green. He's been in so many things. I, I, I can't list them all. His, his Wikipedia is huge, but uh, I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with his work. Or maybe you're not familiar with it, but you've probably seen something else he was in. Uh, interesting thing about Robot Chicken is after Aqua Teen was canceled, Aqua Teen, when it was canceled, was the longest running Adult Swim show. Uh, it was since usurped by Robot Chicken as being the longest running Adult Swim show. Of course, we'll get into Robot Chicken more in our Aqua Teen timeline once we get to uh, season four, I assume. So I'm excited to talk about that because I actually remember when that show debuted. But back to Seth Green here. The footage of him in this clip was from a Space Ghost episode that never got used. So they had it, you know, for this. But Dave Willis and Matt Malero actually planned to have Seth Green on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but they never got the chance to. So let me read you this uh, archived interview from wabe.org we have dave willis saying we were going to do an episode where seth green moves in next door to the aqua teens because he's going to play meatwad at a movie and he wants to start hanging out with meatwad and then we were told that we couldn't ask seth about it or make eye contact with seth so that's what dave says i assume that that last line about not being able to make eye contact with Seth is a joke but i have no idea what really happened there why that episode never came to be i suppose that's just another one to add to the list to ask those guys if i ever get a chance to talk to them but all right all that out of the way let's listen into this dr weird clip again dr weird just basically he puts on space ghost head over his head very graphic very funny <laughs> Uh, what do we do with this? There can be only one! <laughs> nice. So that's Seth Green, just nice. That's it. Uh, not a huge cameo, but a pretty big get, I guess, uh, more so now than back then. Something interesting here is Dr. Weird actually does not have on his hair helmet. I feel like it's one of the few times that he just doesn't have it on where it's not broken or taken off in the clip. He's just not wearing it. He puts on Space Ghost's head. 
And a couple fun facts here for you. So we have C. Martin Croker doing the voice of Steve and Dr. Weird. And as you will know, C. Martin Croker also did the voices of Zorak and Moltar in Space Goes Coast to Coast, which are two of the main characters in the show. Uh, basically, C. Martin Croker was the only consistent voice besides Space Ghost, who was played by George Lowe. So really funny here that we have the, the voice actor for Zorak and Moltar, who in the lore of Space Goes Coast to Coast, I assume that you're familiar with it, but if you're not... That show, the idea is in the 60s, there was this character, Space Ghost, who was kind of a, an action hero, cartoon star, whatever, and the show was never that big. So at some point, the, these guys working at Cartoon Network took a lot of that footage and repurposed it for what was supposed to be like a shitty talk show that this superhero was hosting. And then Zorak and Moltar are from Space Ghost, the original show. And for their crimes of being villains, they were essentially imprisoned and forced to work on Space Ghost shows. So Zorak was the musician on the show and, and Moltar ran the production elements. So you have the voice actor for those characters uh, essentially killing Space Ghost now and putting his head on and saying there can be only one. That quote, there can be only one, of course, from the film Highlander. So we get a throwback to the episode Dumber Dolls where Shake tries to make Happy Time Harry a Highlander, and they kind of we kind of go into that in that episode. But yeah, I just really love uh, that C. Martin Croker, the character he plays on Aqua Teen, killed the character who essentially tormented his characters on Space Goes Coast to Coast. Very funny, nice little uh, full circle moment there. But this actually isn't the only time that Space Ghost is killed on Aqua Teen, because in the 2007 film, he is killed there as well. Of course, we go into that over on the Patreon, but but fun to see how many times they killed Space Ghost. And of course, I mean, I've already said it in this episode, and I say it all the time, but Aqua Teen came from a rejected Space Ghost script, and a, a lot of the same people who work on Aqua Teen, especially at this point, worked on Space Ghost when it was going. But all right, that is our Dr. Weird clip. A great one. I really, really, really like that little intro there. Of course, unrelated to this episode, there's no Thanksgiving elements. I feel like the last few have involved food in some capacity. And then now we have an episode with a lot of food that will be featured. And there's no food in this Dr. Weird clip, but that's all right. So moving on here, uh, we're going to cut in. I have to let you know that Meatwad is knocking on Carl's door, but you will hear some additional sounds over it. And this is something that I've never addressed on this podcast. And surprisingly, nobody has brought up to me at all. So at the beginning of every Aqua Teen episode, they will play a little sound effect after the intro and before the episode actually starts. They will play a little sound effect that is later showcased at some point in the episode. So it's kind of like a little bit of foreshadowing with just a sound effect. And I never talked about them. I always just kind of cut them out and just start at the actual episode. And again, nobody brought it up to me, but uh, you'll hear that here. It's some sort of... I actually am not sure where this sound comes from. Usually they're easy to identify, but I'm not sure where this comes from, but you will hear this over the sound of Meatwad knocking on the door. So to get to the actual shot, we have Meatwad knocking on Carl's door because he's inviting Carl over to the Aqua Teen's house for Thanksgiving. However, Meatwad won't remember why he's there or what he's supposed to be doing. So Carl has to kind of like fish around in Meatwad's head because he has a note and Carl will pull out a note that says, start salmon hatchery in Carl's pool by Tuesday or else. And then there is a little drawing of Meatwad with knives in his head. And then underneath it says, you with knife in head. So I assume this is from Shake. 
Uh, salmon is misspelled here, but that is actually not the note. And then Meatwad will start digging through his head. He'll pull out Jiggle Billy's body, of course, without a head. Throwback again to the episode Dumber Dolls from season one. And then Meatwad will start digging through again because he's like, oh, no, that's not it. And he's going to pull out Squirrely from the Balloonenstein episode, which, of course, is just a dead squirrel. So that's a bit of the visuals. Let's jump in and give all of this a listen. Potter. Is that all you came to say? Are we, uh, <laughs> we done here? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> well, then what? What do you mean? Oh, shoot, I knew I was going to forget this. I got a note here. Someone wrote me a note. Hang on. It says, uh, start salmon hatchery in Carl's pool. Okie dokie. Where the fish is? <laughs> no, no, no. Get back here. <laughs> Hang on. Here we go. Oh, wait. That ain't a note. That's a toy. <laughs> here it is. Invite Carl to eat Thanksgiving dinner. Well, isn't that sweet? Too bad it was over a week ago. Don't matter. We're doing it today. <laughs> we don't usually celebrate. We ain't American. Yet. <laughs> to repass that dumb test. That test a bitch. I love these references of the Aqua Teens not being legal citizens of the United States. Uh, for example, in the cubing, Meatwad talks about how he was starting his pressure washing business and then like he wasn't a, a, a citizen and all that stuff. So I love that they brought that back here. It's very, very funny. I was actually wrong about the sequence of events there. So uh, at the beginning, Meatwad does pull a note out and hands it to Carl and it is the salmon hatchery one. And of course, then we go through the whole rigmarole of he can't find the note. And then Carl just reaches into to Meatwad's head and pulls the note out eventually. There's a great animation that we get of uh, so Meatwad pulls out squirrely. And then, like I said, Carl grabs into Meatwad's head and pulls out the correct note. Well, we then get a shot of Meatwad with his head's like slowly sucking squirrely back in. It's just kind of falling back into Meatwad's body. We learn that Meatwad is just filled with a bunch of things. He's got, he's got toys inside a dead squirrel, notes, he, he's full of a lot of stuff. I already love this opening because I love the idea of Frylock giving Meatwad this little assignment, like, oh yeah, go next door and, and tell Carl that he's invited. I just love that. It's such a, a nice little slice of life moment. This actually reminds me of the Japanese show called Old Enough, which is now on Netflix. My wife was watching it the other day and I, I was watching some of them. Basically, uh, like I said, it's it's Japanese, so it's it's in Japan. And they send these little kids on errands and the crew follows them around and watches the kids do the errands. Like they have to go to the store and go shopping and remember all the ingredients that they have to buy and just little things like that. Or, or, or take uh, this one little boy had to take his dad's clothes to the dry cleaning down the street. Just stuff like that. It's very cute. And that's what this reminds me of. We have Meatwad. He has to go next door and, and invite Carl to Thanksgiving. And he almost fails, but he kind of pulls it off in the end. Luckily, Carl just reaches on into Meatwad and pulls that note right out. I'm surprised Carl did that. You think he would be too grossed out by that? But you have to remember in the episode The Shaving, he already had a bunch of Meatwad's juice all over his face and stuff from, from the uh, plum mask and everything. So it's nothing new to him. Still a little bit surprising to see, though. You think that'd be the last thing that Carl wants to do. But he does it pretty, uh, pretty eagerly without any real complaints. I want to shout out the timing at the very beginning of, the, of that clip because uh, Meatwad knocks on the door, Carl opens the door, and then Meatwad doesn't really say anything for a long time. That's very in the vein of a Space Ghost pause where, you know, Space Ghost is full of awkward pauses like that. So love to see that show up in this episode, especially this episode with the little Space Ghost cameo in the beginning. So something I'm really excited to touch on here is 
in the episode, Carl's like, oh, thanks, but Thanksgiving was a week ago. Well, this episode is coming out in mid-December, so about two weeks after Thanksgiving, give or take. So I love that this episode came out kind of when the episode is supposed to be taking place because they celebrate Thanksgiving after the fact, and this episode is coming out two weeks late. Moving on, Carl is going to smell something pretty good. It's going to kind of change his mind about this whole situation. And before he can head over, though, he'll have to adjust himself which basically consists of him just kind of moving his crotch around. Whoa, what you got over there? That smells, uh, edible. Well, it's a traditional Thanksgiving spread. We got a bunch of tacos we mushed up with a hammer. Put crackers <laughs> on top. That's called taco pie. <laughs> what, you got a bird over there? Oh, yeah. Bird is the word. Well, all right. <laughs> just, uh, you know, give me a sec. Let me adjust myself. Oh, yeah. God. We got him. Let's go. That's so gross. I love Meatwad. Hell yeah, bird is the word. So this is a reference to the song Surfin' Bird, Bird is the Word by the Trash Men, which Family Guy five years later would use in an episode. And I think it's like a running gag since then where Peter gets really into that song and just plays it nonstop. So Aqua Teen making that joke first, uh, just so you know. My wife actually had that episode on the other day because she's been rewatching through Family Guy a little bit. And I almost had to ask her to turn it off. It was so fucking annoying. I couldn't believe it. But uh, overall, I like Family Guy. I just like, I don't know. I just couldn't take it. He was just singing that fucking song over and over again. The joke here, it's a little less annoying, a little more subtle. Carl's down for Thanksgiving. We are now going to cut inside the Aqua Teen's house, and we will see the full spread that they got. All this food is placed, of course, on their table, the same table that we first saw in Super Spore. So we've talked about this one a lot. And of course, there's a little chair with a bunch of books on it for Meatwad to be kind of eye level with everyone else. We see the taco pie, which is basically just a black uh, mess inside of a pie crust, it looks like. And then there's some taco shells sticking out of it. They will explain why it is black later. There is a turkey on the table, what look like some burritos, some whipped cream, some cupcakes, uh, some champagne or wine. And then behind the turkey, we will later see there's what might be krill or shrimp or something. I can't quite make it out. We will see that later, although it doesn't matter because it's not referenced in the episode. Hence, I don't know what it is. And the last thing I really need to mention here as far as the spread goes is the turkey is in what looks like a hubcap for a car's tire, which is really funny. Like they don't have a, a plate big enough for it, I guess. So they put it in a hubcap. And also I forgot there, there are dinner rolls that they will reference. So we'll see all that going on, but Carl isn't there. And then we will see Carl's actually outside. He's standing outside looking through the window because he doesn't want to actually come in. He wants to eat with them. He wants their food, but he won't actually go in their house, which, you know, is a drastic change from the Super Bowl episode when he literally breaks in. And I feel like there are other instances too where Carl breaks in that I'm forgetting about. But Carl doesn't want to come in, but a, a funny touch there is on the Aqua Teen stoop, there is a little salt and pepper shaker that I assume Carl brought. So he brought, you know, some salt and pepper. He's ready to kind of spice up his meal, but he's not going to go in and eat with the Aqua Teens. While all this is going on, Shake is also stuffing his mouth. He doesn't want to wait to actually eat. He's just kind of throwing everything in there and, and going for it. All you can eat buffet style. Carl is going to join us, right? Yep, but he says he rather take his food out on a lawn. We're their witnesses. <laughs> oh, well, all right. I think we're ready. Uh, Shake, you want to lead us in a blessing before you eat? Or do you want to just make a pig out of yourself right now? I don't. It's a racist holiday. <laughs> I stand in line with my Martian brothers <laughs> and celebrate casino with Ness so that we can enjoy the... Ooh, is that whipped? Hand me that whipped cream. Fine. I'll do the prayer. Carl, 
Bow your head out there. Hey, toss me a roll. Shake's on to something here. He doesn't really want to pray about this because he knows that Thanksgiving, it's a racist holiday. He stands by his Martian brothers. Of course, Shake a little confused here. You know, he brings up uh, casino idness. I think he's uh, kind of referencing the indigenous people of North America who now have rights to host casinos to try and compensate for the genocide that was committed against them. I actually listened recently to a Behind the Bastards podcast episode on Christopher Columbus. It's a three-parter, and it was really, really good. I mean, I always knew that there's a lot of shit that went down with that that I didn't know about, and it really opened my eyes to just uh, how how the Americas were discovered, how much of a shitbag Christopher Columbus was. And that's not even by our own standards today. Even, you know, his contemporaries at the time he was alive thought what he was doing was fucked up. So, uh, you know, that's always good to keep in mind. And I think, you know, the idea of Thanksgiving, is, I think that's a good thing. I, I don't think it's bad to have a holiday based on being thankful and appreciating what you have and who you have in your life. I think that's all that's all good. I don't think there's a problem with that. Of course, you know, we could probably cut out the whole mythology of like, yeah, we were friends with the with the indigenous people here. Uh, obviously, that's not necessarily true. And look, you get the picture and, and Shake's kind of protesting. He's not he's not going to pray to this, but he'll sure as hell eat the food. And I want to point out here that this episode actually has a script reading. So we can see the episode in its infancy before it ended up as the final episode that we see before us. And in that script reading, this is a special feature on the volume three DVD. Uh, when Shake is going on his rant about the Martians, which is a little bit longer, uh, the last line of that of that rant is where is the dressing? So that's where this episode gets its title, The Dressing, but that line got cut from the episode, which is funny because it makes no sense now without that, that line in the episode. In terms of Thanksgiving food, I've never been like a huge fan. I like mashed potatoes. That's about it. I mean, I don't mind turkey. Turkey's pretty decent. Uh, I hate cranberries. Uh, don't really care for stuffing. I mean, it's all right, but I know there's some people who are super into Thanksgiving food, but I am not one of those people. I actually kind of dig this Aqua Teen spread more. They've got like tacos and, and burritos and cupcakes. Uh, that's a little bit more my speed because I have the diet of a seven-year-old. Continuing on with our scene here, Frylock, he's going to lead the Aqua Teens and Carl in prayer, or at least he's going to try to. He's going to make an honest attempt. It's not going to go well, but at least he tried. Lord, we give thanks for this food we're about to receive. For the Excuse me. A little help. <clears throat> Could I have the tacos, This bounty please? of tacos. Could you pass the tacos? Could you pass me the tacos? Could you pass me the tacos? Here. <laughs> okay, then. This roll is wet. Sorry. Let's <clears throat> go off. For the fellowship we have with uh, our... Uh, what's our fellowship? It's a gay bar down on 9th. Aren't you glad we're thanking the Lord for a nautically themed gay for bar? For the fellowship we have with our neighbor Carl. No, do not rope me into this. The Lord does not need to know that I'm here. <sighs> Please help us to be... <laughs> okay, who's going to riddle this turkey? Poor Frylock. He just wants to, you know, have a nice meal and say a nice prayer. And like, you know, you've got... Well, meet one. He He's kind of justified in asking what fellowship means because he doesn't know. So that's all right. But you have Shake interrupting because he wants tacos. And then I... I I absolutely love Carl. Just the Lord does not need to know that I am here, even though, you know, the, the Lord is supposed to be all knowing. But uh, Carl doesn't want anyone snitching on him that he's hanging with the teens. We get a cute animation of Meatwad. He kind of taps on Frylock's arms when he asks, uh, hey, what does fellowship mean? And then also when Frylock does pass the tacos to Shake, he knocks like off a bunch of cupcakes and a, a bunch of other things onto the ground because he's so pissed off. I love the continuing theme that Frylock is religious. We saw that in the Bad Replicant episode. He talks about wanting to get Meatwad into church. 
And it's interesting to me that Frylock being the scientist, that he is the religious one of the group. You would not really expect that to be the case, but it is. And I think that's pretty cool. I think it adds like an interesting layer to the character. So, all right, at this point, Meatwad, he wants the bird carved up. He's done with this prayer business and he will actually roll onto the table. I love that he just rolls right, right onto the table up next to the turkey and then shake will come out with the orange chainsaw of course we talked about in the last episode carl was uh juggling it as well as the jiggle billy body so i like to see both of these props show back up in this episode again so yeah we got this this orange chainsaw that we've seen throughout the season and as shake goes to carve up the bird with a chainsaw obviously that's not gonna go well a robotic bird will bust through the door holding carl by the neck we get a great drawing of carl here he's really in distress and let me describe this bird creature really quickly to you. And we've already talked about the cybernetic ghost. This is in a similar style to that. And of course, I'm assuming you've already seen what uh, Turkatron here looks like. But it is a turkey with like spikes on its head. Its, it's turkey tail is made out of what look kind of like uh, fork things that you would use for grilling or something like that. It's got a very just spiky design, but then it's got some gold embellishments as well, or at least uh, what looks like a gold color. So it's just a cool little turkey robot thing we have here. And of course, instantly we hear its voice and we know what's going on. And I love how unexpected this is. It just busts right in and instantly we know where this episode is going. Out of the way! I will ruin this bird with my anger! <laughs> Drop the chainsaw if you want him to live. Help me. I call out! Put that damn chainsaw down. Give it here. But I did call Shaka. Shake's calling the dark meat the more flavorful meat in a turkey and the meat that most people typically want because, again, it's got more flavor in it. And just funny that nobody cares about what happens to Carl. They're like, yeah, whatever, kill him. Also, there's no reaction to like, who are you? Why are you in my house? What is going on? They just kind of jump back into it. But Frylock, at the end of that clip, he took the chainsaw out of Shake's hand and throws it to the side. I really want to jump to this point. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before whenever they have this table out, is that their whole TV set is gone. The green chair is gone. I love the idea of somebody moving all this stuff out of the way every single time they want to set their table up. And by somebody, I mean probably Frylock or if not Frylock, then Frylock is making Shake or Meatwad do it. And of course, from a production standpoint, the reason that this stuff has moved out of the way is so they can fit these new assets in their little living room. Again, though, Frylock took the chainsaw out of Shake's hand because the Turkatron was demanding that they drop the chainsaw and not harm the turkey on the table, even though the turkey is obviously already dead and cooked. We will get to that. Frylock takes the chainsaw and throws it. I love he just kind of throws it like in the direction of the wall it's like i have no idea where this actually ends up of course it just you know disappears out of the scene and then the turkatron is pleased and instead of just lowering carl it will throw carl right out the window and then carl will get up with a bloody head and walk away and they'll kind of talk about it that's better uh can we get you to lower our neighbor now i mean he didn't do anything to you yet I knew someone normal i'm not letting it ride this time freaking robot turkey i knew something was up <laughs> Is he mad? Not a worry about him. He's always got his butt chopped about something. All right, so there's two things I want to discuss about that clip. And first of all, for the Moon Masters, uh, non-Patreon subscribers, close your ears for a second. Take your earbud out. 
This is obviously expanded upon in the 2007 film. Now, we've covered that scene in the film. I didn't remember this scene then, but in the film, the cybernetic ghost picks Carl up, but in a way more dramatic fashion, like his whole arm extends and holds Carl way up in the sky. And that is kind of a, a throwback to this, when, when the turkey picks up Carl by the neck and kind of holds him there in the Aqua Teen's living room. Now, again, we'll get into a little bit later in this podcast episode. Is this really cybernetic ghost or not? Like, this is a really loose connection, but still worth mentioning. The second thing I want to mention, uh, non-Patreon subscribers, you could put your earbuds back in, is that when when Carl is walking away, he's like ranting about this because he just got thrown out the window and then he's walking away with the blood on his head. We get a side shot of him walking away and we see his mouth is not moving. And that is because that drawing of Carl, it's just him walking. There's no mouth movement. And they weren't going to bother animating his mouth uh, in that different pose because it's not his normal uh, front on pose. So yeah, you see Carl walking there. His mouth isn't moving, but you can hear him. He's just ranting away. Rightfully so. I would be pissed off too. So I like we hear Turkatron, he's like, is he mad? Like, he's kind of like, oh man, did I hurt that guy's feelings? Even though he basically almost killed him. And then Meatwad plays it down. I, I had to cut that clip, though, because Shake instantly comes in. Let's hear what Shake's got to say. Uh, Frylock is going to want to know who you're after, and then he'll say something like, oh my god, or something. <laughs> it's so predictable. Now, who the hell are you? I am Turkatron. I have been sent here from the year 9595 to save this bird that lies before you. For he is the great... Great, great, great grandfather of Goblocks. <laughs> the turkey that's destined to lead the rebellion against <laughs> Master Chickens. Well, I mean, that's fine. We won't eat him, but, I mean, look at him. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> He's been in our oven for three hours at 350 degrees. Why, that's impossible. <laughs> look at him. He's dead. <laughs> Do you know who Goblocks is? I will tell you who Goblocks is. So that is Turgotran about to go into a trademark cybernetic ghost story. But uh, before we get into that, we got some talking to do about the clip up until that point. We find out that this turkey monster thing is from the year 9595, and it was sent back to save this. It is the uh, great-great-whatever-grandfather of Goblox, who is supposed to lead the uprising. And, you know, it's possible that this turkey did reproduce, and then they, uh, then they killed it to eat. Although I have to assume turkeys that they are using to reproduce probably don't get eaten so it doesn't really make sense i mean obviously uh this turkey as we will find out is kind of full of shit but just great gag of, of frolix like all right well we won't eat it but it's it's already dead i don't know like what are we supposed to do about it and also at, at one point during that clip shake just kind of grabs over and and rips off the turkey leg and starts eating it while they're talking about it so Turkatron here, he's going to go into this long spiel, you know, in true cybernetic ghost fashion, explaining kind of what's going on. And, and you know, it's all just, just nonsense, really. It's all just very wordy, very verbose, and ultimately doesn't mean anything. But along with that, we get a ton of Ben Prisk drawings, which are really great. I think these are actually a step up from the cybernetic ghost drawings. But not only the drawings themselves, but the way that the editors play with them for the shots that we see. They kind of like have action shots around these pictures and really just get a lot of mileage out of static images. So it's really a production step up here versus the cybernetic ghost episode from season one. As for the drawings themselves, I'm not going to get too much into specifics. It really just follows what the Turkatron is saying. We see 
turkeys being grown in these like really really futuristic looking labs and they're being grown by chickens which makes no sense these chickens are, are in uniforms and they're holding these little uh little uh, i assume clipboards and stuff and it just kind of goes along with it we see robo france which is just paris but super you know futuristic looking there's hover cars and stuff these drawings are gorgeous. I mean, Ben really picked an amazing palette for the colors here. It's just, they're really beautiful. You just got to look at them to appreciate them. Any description I give won't do them justice whatsoever. But again, there's like not a lot of humor going on here apart from the chickens being in uniforms and stuff. All right, you know what? Strike that. There is humor here. I don't want to say that there's not, but uh, I don't feel like it benefits us for me to sit here and fully describe these to you because there's just so much going on in these drawings. You just got to see them. They're very beautiful. Check them out. Let's jump in and hear what Turkatron's gotta say. In the year 9595, a race of deformed turkey was genetically developed by chicken scientists as revenge against his bird brother. These turkeys would exit the womb doused in gravy. <laughs> gravy filled with the giblets from a monkey. The French craved it, and as a result, turkey became the only food source for France which is now called Robofrance 29. <laughs> I was later killed by the chickens. So, of course, you can see why I'm angry at those chickens. <laughs> just awesome delivery by Matt Malero, as always, and just coupled with these amazing drawings by Ben Prisk. I can't help but just laugh. It's so funny. Again, I know I said it a lot, but I, I really can't stress how, how beautiful these drawings are that, that Ben did for this. So hopefully you're following along with what Turkatron is saying because I am absolutely not. His story here makes no sense and I'm not going to punish myself by trying to make sense of this to explain it. So let's just keep moving on here because ultimately, as you know, everything that this character says just doesn't matter. It's all meaningless. So moving on here, Frylock is going to point out that this character sounds familiar and then we will see that this is the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future and we'll get a shot of him with Carl because back in that episode he shows up at Carl's house to to tell him about Christmas and, and the elven burial ground that his house is built on, which, you know, it's funny to see this character back even though there's no more blood at Carl's house anymore. I guess he kind of gave up on that idea. But we will get a drawing of them standing together. And the interesting thing here is that the cybernetic ghost, for whatever reason, in this drawing of what happened in the past, he has like a lot more gold on him than he actually did in the episode. And as a little kid, I always thought that it looked awesome. And I always wondered why. I still think it looks awesome. I still wonder why. And I asked Ben, why is this? Did they ask you to do this? Did you just decide to do this? Why is he suddenly more gold in this picture than he really is? But Ben hasn't seen the message yet, unfortunately. I have talked with Ben a few times. Super nice guy, and I'd love to get him on the show soon. But unfortunately, he just hasn't seen the message yet, so I'm not sure why this is. But we see the cybernetic ghost who he's got again he's got more gold but the reveal in the clip is that carl has a chicken foot his right foot is a chicken's foot and you know the turkatron slash cybernetic ghost slash whatever realizes that he was a chicken in disguise the whole time we also get an awesome drawing it shows the evolution from chicken to a, a Carl chicken form it's kind of confusing but if you've ever seen that drawing of like an ape-like creature to mankind homo sapien it's like a spoof on that but it's chickens up till Carl but Carl he, he's like a little chicken he has he has like four arms and he's got you know his legs are just attached to his to his abdomen and he looks like a little chicken with Carl's head and Carl's features very very strange image so that's what's going on visually I love these drawings they're very very funny 
Back to the plot, though, Frylock is going to point out that this character sounds a little familiar, so let's dive into it. Uh-huh. You know, you sound very familiar to me. Of course I do. Months and months ago, I came <laughs> upon your neighbor taking the form of the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. But I didn't realize he was an agent, a chicken in disguise, sent from the year 19... Sent from the year 19... 95, 95? From there, they had evolved big time. From beyond feathers, their beaks had softened, and they had acquired synthetic intelligence and appendages from the chicken black market from beyond the moon. They have evolved big time. <laughs> I love this. It's just, it's just so crazy. So I want to point out there that I believe that is the first time the character is referred to as the cybernetic ghost of Christmas past from the future. Because while that episode title is Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future, he never actually calls himself that in the episode. The closest thing said and the only time they actually say future in that episode is when Cybernetic Ghost says, but now in the future, the past has occurred. So now, you know, they finally have said it in the episode in this second coming of this character. And again, we will get to, is this the character or not? Obviously, there's a lot more that needs to happen in the episode before we have all the information at hand to discuss it. So I know I keep kind of putting it off, but I want to assure you, we will get to it. So moving to our next clip now, Shake is going to interject saying, this is absolutely ridiculous. And then Turkatron is going to look at Meatwad and say, wait, you are? And then uh, they'll agree on this. And then we cut back into Cybernetic Ghost's story. And instead of the drawing of Carl as a chicken, we have Meatwad as a chicken, but with Carl's flip-flops still. It's very, very funny. I, I love this sequence of events. It's, it's really a highlight of the show, I think. And there actually is a fun error here because when we saw the drawing of Carl as a chicken, like the final form in that last clip, you could see on the right side of the screen because the camera's panning left to right across these different stages of chicken from chicken to Carl. You can see on the right at a certain point that there is more stuff drawn that we don't get to see. And then turns out that stuff was Meatwad, the drawing of Meatwad. So what happened here production wise is that Ben Prisk, I assume, delivered them this strip from chicken to Carl and then the Meatwad version as well at the very end because they show the Meatwad version at the end. But when, you know, they were editing the episode and kind of panning around this strip that was provided to them, they accidentally still showed a little bit of the Meatwad drawing and they didn't cut it out and save it for later so you could see some of the fingers and stuff kind of poking out while we see Carl which doesn't make sense until you know what you're going to see later. So if you go back and watch this one make sure you you keep a little eye out when we see that Carl drawing you will see a little bit of the Meatwad one kind of peeking in at a certain point. So the really funny thing about that is, you know, the cybernetic ghost is like, yeah, Carl, he, he was a chicken, even though you think he would have killed him sooner if he really was a chicken. Anyways, he's like, yeah, it was Carl, it was the chicken, and then they just really quickly are going to convince him it was Meatwad instead, so now he continues on with the story as if Meatwad was the bad guy, and just, you know, obviously this story has no sense in any sort of reality, so it's very fluid as it can be when it's completely made up. So in our upcoming clip, Cybernet Ghost will continue to kind of go on with the story after it's established it was actually Meatwad. He explains how he erases Meatwad's mind and his own. And then we will get a, a Ben Prisk drawing of, of that, of uh, Cybernetic Ghost as the Turkatron, supposedly uh, emitting these waves at Meatwad to erase his mind. We get a, a really cool Meatwad drawing there too. And then the last drawing we get is of Turkatron being assembled by the rogue chickens. 
So it's just him kind of in this, I assume, like hangar space, and they're kind of welding him together. There's some welding for you, uh, Lord Squid Ink. Then see, this all kind of uh, relates back. I wonder if if this is his favorite episode. So all right, I basically described what's coming up in the next clip. So to remind you of what we just listened to previously, these the Turkatron character was explaining how Carl is actually a chicken. Are you serious? Carl, next door Carl, is a hyper-evolved chicken from the future? <laughs> what? You are? He is. He ain't right. I knew that. <laughs> and that is why I had to return and erase his mind. And my mind as well. I had to be reformulated by rogue chicken scientists for the rebellion. They crafted my sleek turkey body, which allowed for safe passage through the time rift. So, in summation... The bird comes with me, dead or alive. So there is most of our story there. I just love it. They're like, uh, what, him? And then <laughs> Shake says, yeah, he ain't right. And then he, and then Meatwad is just replaced in the story, or, or rather he replaces Carl in the story. It just makes no sense. Of course, I mean, I know I kind of keep hammering this point, but I really love this. And I feel like this is probably the most absurdist Aqua Teen episode yet, and maybe of all time. There's just... So much going on here, especially just with this character that just makes no sense and it's so funny. Like every twist and turn is just delightful. But all right, moving on. I think that we're basically done with the story aspect of the episode from the Turkatron. Now things are more rooted in reality. The Turkatron demands like he has to take this this cooked turkey back to a time before it was cooked because this is, you know, of course, the great, great, whatever grandfather of Goblox who is supposed to lead this big rebellion. And so the Aqua Teens are cool with it, Frylock specifically, and the Turkatron takes the turkey. And I want to point out, because remember Shake took one of the legs off earlier, and there has been continuity with that. The, the, the turkey was missing a leg, but at some random point in this next clip, it, the, the turkey will have both its legs again. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what happened in the production of the episode that it just happens to have its leg back because they clearly had a version of it without a leg but uh at some point that leg does come back it, it, it's literally while turkatron is holding it like turkatron's holding it in one shot and it only has one leg and then the next shot it has two legs again very funny but uh turkatron will grab that turkey and then walk off because it needs to catch a time rift which of course doesn't exist so it just kind of awkwardly stands there while the aqua teens continue to eat well you don't have a choice dude he's dead I mean, I told you that. I must take the bird into the time rift to a time before he was cooked. <laughs> All right. I'm waiting for the time rift to open. It could be anywhere at any time. Okay, well, you don't mind if we eat, right? While you wait. Oh, yes, of course. Sure. <laughs> So at the end of that clip there, Meatwad starts eating and he's throwing food into his mouth, but there's no chewing noise. So it's kind of strange. It's like a really strange sight. You see him eating, but there's no real eating noises besides the sound of his arm moving. Uh, I, I, I love that, that, that awkward pause because the Turkatron, it grabs the turkey and then takes maybe four steps away from the table and is just standing there and everyone's just looking at it. It's really funny, again, to that kind of uh, space ghost timing that we got at the beginning of the episode. Of course, when uh, Meatwad knocked on Carl's door and they were just kind of looking at each other. So similar to that, I really, really like the timing in this episode of these jokes. Something I want to point out is now mysteriously there are three taco pie plates on the table before there was just the one. So uh, somehow two more showed up, although it's not that crazy because while uh, Cybernetic Ghost, a.k.a. Turkatron, was telling its story, we really only saw Frylock. So it is feasible that Shake was in the kitchen kind of getting more taco pie or something like that. 
Also, this time rift thing really reminds me of the new Beavis and Butthead movie that just came out that has a similar premise. Of course, this coming 20 years beforehand, so uh, maybe they were a little inspired, but the joke in that film, of course, if you don't want to hear it, maybe like a very slight spoiler, uh, skip ahead, but the joke there is that there's like a time rift that keeps opening that Beavis and Butthead have to go through, but they're too stupid to like catch it. So what happens is throughout the film that these characters that are looking over them have to make the time rift appear closer and closer. And eventually they're like, it's in that closet over there. You have to get in the time rift because at first it's at some other location and Beavis and Butthead, uh, those characters are so funny because they do not ever do what they need to do so like literally they have to be forced to take the time rift so i got kind of flashbacks of that where turkatron's like yeah it can open anywhere at any time and that's kind of the that's kind of the case in the in the beavis and butthead movie which is really funny if you haven't seen it go check it out they're actually coming out with new episodes of that too i have not caught any yet i'm waiting till they're all out before i dive in but i'm hearing really good things about those i loved the 2011 season so i have really high hopes for it and again that movie was solid i really liked it so excited for those episodes as well Back to Aqua Teen, though. So the Aqua Teens are eating their Thanksgiving meal now, and the Turkatron is going to notice that they've got some taco pie, as if this is like a thing. I mean, is it? Let me look into it real quick. Okay, so taco pie is a thing. Obviously, though, the way that the Aqua Teens make it is not the correct way, uh, because it's literally just they just smash up tacos with a hammer. And then we are going to get the explanation as to why the taco pie is black. Is that a taco pie? Mm-hmm. Taco pie. <laughs> I had a food color because it's a holiday, but it turned black because I added all the food color in the house. <laughs> I had this butter straight out of the top because it tastes good. There's a reason behind everything. <laughs> there's a reason behind everything. Meatwad, he's holding a stick of butter, but there's some bite marks taken out of it. Yeah, there's a reason behind everything, man. I ate this because it tasted good. And I want to bring up the script reading of this episode again. Because in the script reading, at the beginning of the episode, when Meatwad is telling Carl about all the food they have back at their house, he says that they have butter if Carl wants to eat that. So this makes a little bit more sense in that context. But of course, this joke isn't reliant on that information. I just find it interesting that he had he uh, initially, the way that the, the episode was written, Meatwad brought up butter earlier in the episode, and now he's showing people that he eats butter. But moving on to the taco pie, we realize the reason that this is black is because Meatwad, he added his food coloring, but he added all the food coloring he had, which just made a black color. I am guilty of this, not adding all my food coloring, but uh, when I make a, a pizza pie from scratch, I, I like to put some food coloring in the dough. Why not? Spice up your life a little bit. Sometimes I have blue pizza, green pizza, pink pizza. I tried to make a nice uh, Shrek colored green pizza last night, but uh, it wasn't working as well. That green food coloring isn't as strong as the other colors. It was quite a bummer. Let's jump back into the scene though. We're going to get some more talk about that taco pie. Enjoy those tacos now. For in a thousand years, they will be illegal. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all know why. We know why. (laughs) Anti-taco legislation. Disestablishmentarianism. That's a good story. Shake is so done with this, but I love Meatwads fully. And, you know, we know why. (laughs) We know why those tacos are going to be illegal. Doesn't make any sense. But I love this episode, as you can tell. So at this point, uh, visually in the scene, Turkatron is just standing around the Aqua Teens. Like, he's just standing at the table. And he doesn't even have the turkey in his hands anymore. I don't even know where that ended up. But uh, Shake's going to invite him now to just sit down since he's already hanging out with them, he might as well eat with them. And then in, in a funny production move, 
the Turkatron literally just flies up onto the table, but the way it flies is it's completely static. It doesn't like like flap its wings or anything like that. Just flames shoot out of its feet while it's just standing there, and then it goes up on the table that way. And I want to point out here that the fire used is not the classic Aqua Teen Space Ghost fire. It, it seems to be a new fire effect that I don't know that we've seen yet. Maybe they used it in Broodwitch. I'm not entirely sure, but it's this like new effect. I don't know why they just didn't use the normal flame, but uh, they decided to use a different, more particle heavy flame a, a more uh, 3d flame than an actual flame image like the normal fire effect we see on the show so it just flies up on the table and starts eating the food it doesn't actually sit and the reason for this is because it's cheaper to do than animate this character sitting down and that's what i love about this show i love how cheap it is is because it forces them to do these just weird things that that you wouldn't normally think of any other show that had a bigger budget they'd be like all right let's have him sit down at the table and eat but here they just it's easier to have him fly up onto the table it, like his body is static his feet just shoot flames out for some reason and then just start eating off the table I love it. So, all right, Turkatron ends up on the table in our next clip, and then he's going to eat some food, then he's going to talk to them, he's going to go into a story. Hey, why don't you sit down while you're, you know, whoa! <laughs> mm, yeah, those are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I really like the flow of this place. It screams, body. You know, that last bite, it reminds me of this severely long story about how the chickens became a master race through a freak accident involving radiation and interestingly enough to me marshmallow <laughs> So as you heard, that made no sense. Uh, we, we got a drawing there. It was just one drawing of a bunch of chickens in a field. And then we had a chicken holding up a stick with a marshmallow on it. But the marshmallow had like a radioactive symbol and it was glowing green because he's talking about, I don't know, radioactive event marshmallow makes no sense. And the Aqua Teens, they are going to say the same exact thing. Moving on to our next clip now, Frylock, we'll see him in the hallway. He's going to beckon the other Aqua Teens over so he can, he can talk to them. And he kind of points out that he noticed that the turkey has a, a black garbage bag with him. And we see some of the things in the garbage bag. We see some tube socks. We see what looks like a beer, uh, some sort of clothing hanger sticking out, and a red toothbrush sticking out. And, and all this stuff in your usual Aqua Teen fashion is kind of dingy. It's kind of gross looking. So Frylock will bring this to their attention. And they'll kind of have a discussion on the legitimacy of Turkatron. Yo, come here. Come here. Is that the same guy? Yeah, I think so. He's crazy. I think he's really from the year 9595. Did you hear his story? I heard it. And it chucks out. Yeah, Shank, in the future, they all carry their belongings in a plastic bag. That is a future bag. I say that with all confidence. What do you have a bar of soap in here for? You're a freaking robot. Excuse me? Those are weapons. They are all laser guided. And I get crazy if you touch them. So Turkatron is holding some of the tube socks and the toothbrush saying that they are weapons. And then he says, and I get crazy if you touch them. And we see Meatwad, he is holding a tube sock and he drops it and has like a shocked look on his face when Turkatron says that. Obviously, Turkatron does not like them going through his things. I like that we never saw that bag before until now, like they're just noticing this. And I want to read to you really quickly before we continue. I want to read to you what I can make out of what Turkatron was saying while the Aqua Teens were talking. Because since these episodes are in 5.1 surround sound on the DVD, I can cut out some of the dialogue and really just listen in to the background noise, which is really where Turkatron is talking. So I can make out some of what he is saying. And what he is saying is this. 
And the black market taco pie trade was sabotaged by a bunch of chickens. I think I remember Taco Automus or something along those lines. He was the leader of the tacos and I only had one bullet, but I would need two bullets for my gun only carried one. But he said he had an extra gun and he would allow me to use it. And that's all that Turkatron says until he comes over and starts talking to the Aqua Teens. So that's what's going on kind of uh, underneath the dialogue that the Aqua Teens are having while they are looking through his stuff. If you get around to watching this episode, the staging here is super confusing because it seems like they're over by the hallway, but then they're suddenly at the table, but the table isn't there anymore in some of these shots, like it would be in the way normally, which obviously from a production standpoint, it was just easier to remove that table asset so they could kind of do what had to be done for the scene, but just kind of funny to watch. I find myself kind of confused. I'm like, wait, where is this conversation taking place? Uh, but now Meatwad is back at the table, and that's what confused me too, because I thought Meatwad was by the hallway, but suddenly he's just like sitting back at the table. We never saw him go over there, but he will be sitting back at the table, and Turkatron will begin to go into another story, and I, I, I never mentioned, I need to mention it, you probably know this, but in case you don't, when Turkatron tells these stories, he raises his arm the same way the cybernetic ghost did, or should I say his wing, rather, and a fog rolls in from a fog machine the same way it did with cybernetic ghost. I don't think I mentioned that because it's just like, you know, obviously that's what happens if you're familiar with the show, but if you're not super familiar, that's what's going on here. Obvious callbacks, apart from the voice and the kind of look of the character in terms of the way the character is built, that there are these other callbacks to the cybernetic ghost. So Cybernet Ghost is going to go into a story and then Meatwad's going to cut him off because as we've discussed, Meatwad, he's really receptive to stories and he's really good at pointing out inconsistencies and, and, and plot lines and, and threads in stories and stuff like that. And Meatwad will call out Turkatron on his BS here. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. It was a hundred years after the tacos were assassinated and I was I thought that was a loser. Was a dad or a loser? Oh, is this your story now? Does this happen to you and not to me? <laughs> well, listen up, everybody. He's about to tell his amazing story. The one that happened to me and not him. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you got Are it. you sure I have it? Are you sure that since it happened to me, I should be the one to tell it? Oh, well then, yes, I thought I did. <laughs> Pass me more wine. I shall require it to finish. <laughs> you want some? Not now. <laughs> at the end of the clip there, we have Turkatron. He's just guzzling down the wine because I mentioned at the beginning there was a bottle of wine on the table and Turkatron, he's helping himself. I really love Turkatron. Just, oh, I'm sorry. Is this your story? And he puts his, his face so close to Meatwad. He's like intimidating him. Like, oh, I'm sorry. This happened to you, I guess, and not to me or whatever. He's just going on about this. And I'm sure we've all felt this at some point where someone tried to hijack our story or, or uh, you know, kind of call it BS. And it's like, oh, really? You know the details? you were there so from here i really like the direction that this episode takes because we saw turkatron just guzzling down some wine and now in the next scene we have shake watching tv so we can tell it's like a time lapse it's, it's some time later that the table is gone all the thanksgiving food is gone but turkatron is there and he is drunk now while Shake is trying to watch TV. He's sitting in his green chair and turkatron is just kind of stumbling around with a bottle of wine in his hand Continuing on with all the absurdist themes in this episode, we see what Shake is watching because uh, Turkishron will react to what Shake is watching. And Shake is watching, it's basically the footage from when Shake was a superhero in the superhero episode and the whole city was on fire because Shake went and like started a fire so that he could use his rain powers to put it out. 
in that episode? Well, it's that same background footage of the city on fire, but we see a, a drawing, a Ben Prisk drawing from the earlier artwork we saw. It is a uh, turkey, and it is doing like all sorts of crazy shit around town. It's shooting lasers out of its eyes, and it's just doing flips all over the place. And at some point, it just starts peeing all over the buildings and stuff. It's really funny. It makes no sense. That's what Shake is watching, and Turkatron is not pleased by this. Apparently, he knows this character, and he's upset about it. See this thing here? We had a major run-in during the conflict of Mechanical Advantage 6. <laughs> yeah, just guzzle it down. Who cares, right? Damn you, Billy! <laughs> Damn it! I, you thought you had my mind under your control. But now, who's strapped to a wall? Enslaved by the chickens, huh? You are strapped to the wall, hey, man. Hey, hey, come on. Give me a break, and will you? Not in front. You mind? I'm not. And who is now? You are Dick. Wow! <laughs> hey! Is that a timer? That's the time rift. So that is Turkatron, and he just destroys the TV. He headbutts it, and it explodes. And I just love this whole scene. I love the idea. First of all, okay, let's break it down. What we're seeing on the television is hilarious, right? It makes no sense what's going on here. It's funny that the turkey is like reacting so strongly to this, or sorry, Turkatron is reacting so strongly to this. He's so pissed off. To me, what almost is even funnier is that Shake is actually watching this. Like this is something that he enjoys. Imagine Turkatron is not here. If Shake was just watching this alone, it would be funny because it's the dumbest thing. Who would sit here and watch this? It's just a, a turkey doing flips around the screen, shooting piss out of its dick and everything. It makes no sense at all. I just love this whole little segment here and just how the <laughs> the Turkatron is getting just shit faced at this point, guzzling it down. You hear it, it throws the bottle on the ground and and, and the glass shatters. It has no respect for their house whatsoever. For some reason, they're just letting him stay here. A really cool thing I want to point out here is that we get a behind shot of Turkatron because at, at one point we see from Shake's perspective, which is cool, we don't really see from characters' perspectives that often. We see from Shake's perspective the TV and Turkatron is in front of it, so we see Turkatron's backside because Turkatron is looking at the TV as well. And we don't see villains' backsides that often. I mean, we've never even seen Meatwads, I don't think. We've never seen him from behind. So it's really interesting here that they did this whole drawing of the character from behind just for this short little segment. We just really don't see it. And the reason I'm even noticing it is because in the episode, the last one, the last episode of this season that we will be discussing uh, in a month or so, in that episode, we see basically all the villains from the back for the first time, and they had to do all those drawings from scratch. Because obviously in Aqua Teen, most of the time that you see these characters, they have like one animation and that's it, and you only see them from the front. So it's kind of cool to uh, get, a, get a, a behind shot of this character, because we don't get that very often at all in this show, even for the main characters, let alone these little side characters. I love Matt Malero's drunk voice acting here. I have to wonder if he really was drunk when they recorded it. I assume not. I know that that's like, sometimes people do it, but it, it obviously that can go badly. So I assume he wasn't really drunk here, but I just love hearing this character drunk. It's very funny. And a telling part of this is that the character is drunk. You can assume when someone is drunk, they're probably being a little more truthful. The fact that the, that Turkatron is getting so worked up about this character on the screen, obviously his relationship with this character can't be real. That makes no sense at all. But it goes to show that this character truly believes all the shit that it, that it spews. It's not just trying to purposely lie to people and deceive them for some sort of extra gain or anything like that. It's literally like this character believes everything that it's saying, which is really funny to me because what it's saying is always just nonsense. 
Also, I want to point out, uh, back to the previous clip, of course, is that at one point we heard Turkatron break the glass bottle. It was like drinking a beer, I assume, at this point, because it's a different bottle than the wine they had on the table. You hear that glass break, and then for like a, a second in, in one of the shots, there's nothing in Turkatron's hands, but then we see it again, and it has another beer in its hand. So I don't know where it's getting all this beer from, but uh, he, he's drinking a lot of them. But all right, let's move on. Let's continue this scene. So you heard at the end of the clip, Turkatron was like, oh, is that a time rift? So Turkatron thinks that he sees a time rift now. And what he sees are, are the curtains by the window that, that he previously broke by throwing Carl through. The window is still broken, which is insane continuity for Aqua Teen. I'm very surprised that this window is still broken. And Turkatron will kind of stumble over to the window and then close the curtains around himself. And then he's like, oh, I'm in the time rift now. Funny thing is, he does not have the cooked turkey with him and he does not have his guard bag full of belongings so he's like just ready to leave with with his beer bottle and that's it and at one point he is behind the curtain and then you'll you'll hear this and, and you see it he kind of like starts drinking beer again behind the curtain just guzzling it down and then while the clip goes on Turkatron will kind of uh fall down it doesn't, he doesn't really pass out because he he does respond to the aqua teens but he falls down and he rips the curtains and everything out of the out of the wall like he rips the curtain rod out of the wall as well and then he is covered by the curtains and Frylock and Meatwad will start to carry him away and then Shake at the end of the next clip will run up and kick Turkatron right in the legs Is that a time rift over there? No, that that's a curtain. Move. <laughs> Hey, uh, are you all right? Get out of the time rift. You have no idea where this will send you. Okay, okay, man. Look, hey, say, you want to lay down in the back for a little while? Why are you waiting for your rift? Yeah, you want to lie down because I hit you in the face? <laughs> He's out. Hurry. Fine. I am not spinning. Don't touch me. I love that Shake gets, is, like, mad at this character. I love when the Aqua teams just start to get mad at these characters. Uh, rather than it just being fry like every time it's always a treat when when shake gets mad i can't recall off the top of my head meatwad getting mad at a character i'm sure it's happened but i just can't recall right now but so many great lines there i love how whiny turkatron is he's like get out of the time rift <laughs> he's he's being really whiny because he's drunk now and then he he's a violent drunk because he he threatens frylock by hitting him in the face or he says he will he doesn't actually do it and we see turkatron drinking a lot here and back in frat aliens i i should have mentioned this way sooner back in frat aliens there's an episode where dp is drinking a beer and i say hey is this the first time in aqua teen where where a character is actually seen drinking beer on screen. And this is back in, in August here. Uh, on Twitter, I, I put that question out to uh, people on Twitter. And at Joey24128513, you heard that right. I'll put a link to, to this uh, young man's account in my show notes here. Joey chimes in with uh, Meatwad drinking the pitcher of beer in Super Trivia, which definitely predates Frat Aliens. So now they're showing characters drinking beer more. And uh, Joey's definitely right, of course. Uh, Meatwad downing that pitcher of beer, uh, as of right now, is, is of what I know, is the earliest instance of a character actually drinking beer on screen. And after they did that, now we've seen it two more times since. Or, or I guess alcohol. I don't know for sure if it's beer that Turkotron is drinking. It could be wine bottles. It's kind of hard to tell the size of the bottles because his wings are huge. And that's what he effectively uses as his hands. So Turkotron has basically passed out. They're able to move him to the back. And now we cut to our next scene where Frylock is strapping Turkotron into a chair so that he can do some messing around in Turkotron's head to kind of see what's going on here. We are, of course, in Frylock's room, you know, the lab, the Aquatine lab, just Frylock's room here. And towards the end of the clip, 
Frylock will don a welder's mask and then start to uh, weld, I assume, or do something of the sort in the back of Turkatron's head. So again, back to Lord Squid Inkton, who is welding some Dancing is Forbidden stuff. I'm speculating this might be his favorite episode now. There's a lot of welding in this one. And uh, shout out, of course, again to Lord Squid Inkton for putting some uh, podcast stickers on his welding mask. It's always cool to see that. You know, we got some sparks flying over that logo. I like it. Okay, I think that's got it. Check him for weapons. These socks are laser guided. Be gentle for those. And this toothbrush does something too. It cleans my teeth. The chickens polluted my gums with plaque. What are you doing? Get out of my mind. There we go. So we see a bunch of sparks, or, or rather like electricity, flow all over Turkatron. We can see something's going on here. I like Meatwad's buying into this. He's like, yeah, you know, these are laser-guided. Even Turkatron is like, it's a toothbrush, man. It cleans my teeth. Those aren't, those aren't weapons. Or are they? Guess we'll have to find out. Something I want to point out here is that when Frylock goes to start the uh, welding wand, I don't know any of these terms, by the way. I'm probably just fucking calling it by all the wrong names. Uh, whatever th that stick thing is that makes the sparks come out, you got to, you know, use a little fire on it. At least at least Frylock has to. He pulls a, a uh, lighter out of his head, basically. The lighter comes out with his fry. So that shows that Frylock has other items in his head that he just kind of keeps there for when he needs them which is quite interesting. He's kind of like Meatwad in a way, because Meatwad's head is full of stuff too. Anyways, though, we know that Frylock did something to Turkatron. Let's hear how he acts now that Frylock has seemingly fixed whatever issue he was having. Let's give a listen to this very short clip. Hey, y'all! Gobble, gobble! I'm Tom Turkey. Do the hustle! So, Turkatron gets up out of the chair. Somehow he's able just to break through the uh, straps he was in, which seemed pretty hefty, but he just kind of breaks out. I guess Frylock didn't do a very good job there. Turkatron breaks out, and now you can hear has a completely different voice, is acting completely different. His name is uh, Hustlin' Tom Turkey. I don't think they've called him Hustlin' Tom Turkey yet, but that is his name. They'll say it in the next clip. And yeah, he's, he's like dancing. You hear some disco music start. He's kind of like doing some disco moves and stuff. Completely different demeanor than the guy we saw before. And on voice duty there, we have Barry Mills, who I have talked about on the show before. Barry worked on Space Ghost alongside Matt Malero. I, I wonder if that's where they met. I'm not entirely sure. And they actually started a band together called Donald Hubbard, which we've talked about on the podcast. We heard some Donald Hubbard music actually back in the Cybernetic Ghost episode. So kind of cool to have Barry Mills show up here doing this voice. He gets these like little cameos, I guess. We also heard Barry Mills mentioned in the Revenge of the Moon Knights episode back in season one, when basically when Ignignoct and Ur and Meatwad are in the forest looking at Carl's pornography, Ur says something to the effect of, ooh, Barry's wife or something like that. So that is, uh, of course, Matt Malero voices Ur and he's kind of picking on his buddy there. So they were friends and Barry never worked on Aqua Teen outside of this vocal appearance, at least from what I can see. He did do some vocals on C-Lab 2021 in, in the episode Splitsville, which also has Dave Willis on it too. That's a pretty decent episode. I, I went back and watched it. Otherwise, Barry's IMDb isn't that big. It seems like he worked a while on Space Ghost and then left to do other things. Right now, he has a freelance video company called Sheila Green Productions, and he's been up to all sorts of stuff over there. I was looking at his website, and he also uh, directed, produced, and co-wrote the 2012 film Fun World. I should also mention here that Barry actually had his own TV show on TNT for a little bit between 95 to 97, a show called The Rudy and Go-Go World Famous Cartoon Show. So it's possible that you've seen that growing up. 
However, Barry did more than kind of television stuff. He actually started Atlanta's first underground hip-hop radio show, which featured a host of guest DJs, including the debut of Lil Jon. So Barry Mills, he was kind of like early on this hip-hop game, it seems. And beyond that, he actually is the one who suggested Schooly D for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So it's because of Barry Mills, the voice of Hustlin' Tom Turkey, that Schooly D got involved in the show. And obviously, Aqua Teen wouldn't be what it is without Schooly D. Schooly D, not only does he do the intro, of course, he does those little interludes that we get sometimes, but he also does just a lot of the music. Like when I talked to MC Chris, Chris revealed that Schooly D made the original I Want Candy music that we hear in that episode. So Schooly D was pretty involved with Aqua Teen, and that's thanks to Barry Mills. I did reach out to Barry with an email, but I guess I just didn't do it soon enough because I haven't heard back from him yet. So if I do hear back from him, I will let you know. Hey, guess what? It's Ronnie uh, getting back to you, letting you know that Barry did respond to my email a day after this episode went up. I did go on to to read the email in a community jiggle, the one for September 2022. So I'm just cutting and pasting here what I read in that community jiggle. But yes, Barry got back to me. Let's jump in to this email exchange. I asked Barry this. How did you get involved in this specific episode? Of course, being the dressing. Barry said, I'm pretty sure Matt and Dave just walked in my office one day at William Street and asked if I would do a voice for the show. That's usually the way things went down at the time. Like, one other time after I left my job at Adult Swim, I came into the office for something and Matt Harrigan asked me to read something for Perfect Hair Forever, which was another Adult Swim show. I thought it was just a scratch track, read it, and left. A couple months later, I ran into Brad Zimmerman, who mentioned he had just finished up editing the Perfect Hair episode I was in. I didn't really know what he was talking about. So Barry just saying, hey, at the time, you know, things were kind of fast and loose. They just come in, ask you to do a voice. And that was kind of it. You know, these shows at the time, these original Adult Swim shows were pretty incestuous in terms of their staff because everybody, not everybody, but most people were nine to five employees of Turner. And they would all just kind of be in the same building together and come grab each other whenever the moment struck. So that's what happened here with Barry. He just kind of got thrown into the episode of Aqua Teen. I asked Barry, what was the inspiration for the voice you provided? And or what kind of instruction were you given when doing the voice? Barry says, I did a cartoon show for TNT in the 90s called the Rudy and Go-Go World Famous Cartoon Show where I did the voice of Rudy, one of the marionette hosts. And I think that's what they were looking for. That voice is also a slightly exaggerated version of how I really sound, so they were probably goofing on me some. So now we have the answer for how Barry kind of got this voice, this hustling Tom Turkey voice. Which, of course, is a great juxtaposition to the voice Matt Malero provided for Turkatron. It's just a night and day difference. So really, really good pick on Matt and Dave's part. Moving on from voiceover questions, because of course, Barry wasn't really a voiceover artist. He, he did it. He had done it, but that wasn't his main job. I go on to ask, I've read that you suggested Schooly D for Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Did you know Schooly personally at this point? Were there any other people you suggested for the show? Barry says, That was very early on, and Matt and Dave were trying to figure out who was going to do the Aqua Teen theme song. I'm a big Schooly fan, so I recommended him. I didn't really know him that well, but had dealt with him for a project for Rudy and Gogo, so Matt and Dave asked me if I would call him up, which I gladly did. I'm pretty sure that was my only recommendation for Aqua Teen. So my 
speculation here was that because we learned in the dressing that Barry had actually done an Atlanta hip-hop radio show, I assumed that's how he met Schooly, and maybe it still is, but revealing here, Barry says that he actually worked with Schooly on his own TV show in the past, so that's kind of how he thought to to bring Schooly D into the mix for Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which of course was just a monumental decision because Schooly D just adds so much to this show, so thank you, Barry, for that. Moving on, I ask Barry, what have you been up to since your time at Williams Street? I see you're doing production work with your company, Sheila Green Productions, as well as your 2012 film, Fun World. Is there anything new in the works that you'd like me to tell my audience about? Barry says, I'm currently, and then in parentheses, hopefully soon wrapping up, a horror script with the working title Scouts and gearing up to do a documentary about Atlantic guitar legend Glenn Phillips. I've documented a few Glenn Phillips shows in the past, including a reunion of the Hampton Grease Band, of which Glenn was a member in the late 60s, early 70s. Now, of course, I need to mention here that this is not uh, the probably more popular, famous Glenn Phillips, who was in an episode of Space Ghost. This is Glenn Phillips with two N's at the end of Glenn, who was in, as Barry said, the Hampton Grease Band, which was an experimental kind of jam band in the 70s. And so don't get him confused with the younger Glenn Phillips, but really excited to dig into the music of this older Glenn Phillips because uh, this music looks a little bit up my alley, so I'll definitely check it out. Of course, in that episode covering the dressing, I point out how Barry was in a band with Matt Malero called Donald Hubbard, whose music was in C-Lab and Aqua Teen. I ask Barry, have you kept up with music since Donald Hubbard disbanded? If so, is there anywhere I can hear your work? Barry says, I've been playing with a couple of friends for the past couple of years. We call ourselves the Drawers. We've been trying to get back into regular routine since being interrupted via the pandemic. We don't really have anything out there. Maybe soon? So uh, I'll, I'll keep an eye out here for the drawers. Excited to hear them once they come out. Of course, excited to hear too that Barry has kept up with music here. And my final question for Barry is this. What are the odds of a Donald Hubbard reunion? Barry says, I'd say the odds of a Donald Hubbard reunion are pretty unlikely. So there you have it. Uh, Matt Malero and Barry Mills not really jamming together anymore. But I mean, that was the case, I think, when Aqua Teen was already out in the early 2000s. So not surprising that this 20-year-old project that's been dormant for 20 years probably won't come back. But of course, Barry does not say never. He just says unlikely. So who knows what the future may hold. Of course, thank you so much to Barry Mills for taking time out of his day to respond to my email here. I'm putting a link to his Vimeo in the show notes if you'd like to check out anything else he's been up to. It was really cool to have this little chat with Barry, and something tells me this won't be the last time we're talking about him on this podcast. Anyways, we have about a minute left of this Aqua Teen episode. And now is the point when the plot really just starts to unfurl and we figure out what's happening. That's what I love about Aqua Teen is it's like you just kind of dick around the whole episode and have fun. And then at the end, they figure out what's happening. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. So so Frylock has done something to Tom Turkey here to make him start acting like this as opposed to the Turkatron character. And now Shake is going to run in with a, a newspaper. Frylock will take a peek and at the top, he will see in huge bold letters, Turkey Toy Recall. There's a picture of the turkey and that will kind of tell Frylock what is going on here kind of funny underneath uh that we see pumpkin patch consumes children very funny 
Turns out, though, the reason Shake is here, he's not here to show this to Frylock. He, did, he probably didn't even notice that. He's trying to show Frylock a pantyhose ad in the newspaper. Shake is really excited about that, and he is unwilling to give up the newspaper, even though Frylock kind of needs to read it to figure out what's happening here. But this, this pantyhose ad, really quickly, it says, We got hose, pantyhose on sale <laughs> so we got hose you know get it like uh some hose there but it's actually just pantyhose it's all right now only 5.99 is that a good price on pantyhose i i don't know uh and back in 2003 that seems kind of high but i don't know maybe it's a good price uh underneath it, that it says gillespie's apparel that's the uh, store and then we actually get an address it's 632 moreland avenue trenton new jersey and then an area code but i can't quite make it out of course remember that all this text is pretty small looking it up there is a moreland avenue in trenton new jersey i'm not quite sure this area code matches up with the one listed on the newspaper i can't make out the one that's on the newspaper but these do look like different numbers than what is listed there but yeah it seems like there is a moreland avenue if i'm reading this correctly so that's kind of cool but all right, let's jump into this clip. Shake comes running in with the newspaper. He's got the goods. Look, look at this. Well, that explains it. Robot turkey toy recall. Not that. <laughs> Down here, the picture. Look. What, a pantyhose ad? You better believe it. <laughs> says here they made... Give me back, it's mine. <laughs> says here they made 5,000 of those things. Seriously? 5,000 of that chick? No, 5,000 <laughs> Hustlin' Tom turkeys. At this point, Hustlin' Tom turkey, he's out there just dancing his heart out. He's got some good moves. The animators really did a nice job on that. It doesn't really seem like they just phoned it in or anything. He's, he's got a few uh, different moves there. And then we see him dancing, and then we cut to Frylock and Shake, and then we see back there with, with Hustlin' Tom turkey, and Meatwad is dancing with him at this point. So this is like a perfect Meatwad toy. I want to go back to that newspaper really quickly because we do see the front cover, which isn't addressed in the episode. And on the front of the cover, we see Dr. Weird's roommate, Randall. If you will remember from Super Birthday Snake, we saw this uh, pork chop uh, humanoid creature. Very disturbing. It's uh, just really some disfigured monster thing. It's really horrible looking. We see Randall on the cover there and then we see Ignignacht on the cover as well. And if this newspaper cover sounds familiar to you, that's because we saw this newspaper already, at least this front cover, back in Super Sirloin. So we saw this front, we've already discussed this. However, the interesting thing is, in Super Sirloin, that cover was in color. So Randall was in color and Ignignacht was in color as well. Here in this episode, it's in black and white. But alright, to the content of that clip... We have the fun little back and forth between Shake and Frylock because Shake wants the magazine to look at the pantyhose ad, which I'm surprised that he's even interested in that. We know that he has the Butt Frenzy magazine. We know he could easily just steal Carl's porn magazines if he wanted to. He could look at porn on Frylock's computer, but he's, I guess, at the same time still satisfied just looking at this very mundane pantyhose ad as well. But Frylock says there that they made 5,000 of these things and they are all being recalled. These things being the turkeys. And after saying that, we are quickly going to see them because there is a knock at the door. Shake will go open the door, which is surprising because any other time somebody knocks the door, Shake usually doesn't want to get it. And he will be greeted by just a bunch of these turkeys outside. And you know what? I'm realizing now we see a bunch of the backsides of the turkey, which they would need for that shot. So when I was blown away earlier because we saw the backside of Turkatron while Shake was trying to watch TV, that really wasn't for that shot. It's because they needed it for this shot and another shot to come. Oh no. 
Hello. Wow. We are here <laughs> for next the door, great. Next door, people. Right next door. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Nice little touch there. There is a plywood, I guess, like sheet of wood over the Aqua Teen's window now, although it's put on kind of crooked. It's not completely covering it, but I like that they're at least attempting to uh, do something about this. Again, I can't believe that uh, they actually have some sort of continuity to this broken window. The Aqua Teen from season one as in the show, wouldn't have bothered with that, but they're taking continuity a little bit more seriously now, but of course not that seriously compared to other shows. As you heard, though, Master Shake, he directed this army of Turkatrons over to Carl's house. What a nice move after everything that happened to Carl earlier in the episode. Although Carl was kind of a dick because he wouldn't actually eat with the Aqua Teens. But anyways, now the army of Turkatrons are over at Carl's house. They knock on the door. Carl instantly answers, which is like a funny, like they had to do that for the timing of the episode. But it doesn't make sense. Who answers the door instantly? Especially because we see Carl is eating a turkey leg, which the Turkatrons will not like. So what I'm saying is like, if you're eating, why would you just be standing by the door? Although maybe he was looking out the window to see what all the commotion was previously. Who knows? Something I want to touch on before we jump into that clip, though, is Carl, again, he's eating a turkey leg. Where did he get the turkey leg? Also, his head seems to be fixed up at this point. There's no more blood or anything. And this is explained by a line that was not included in the episode. So again, in that script reading on the Volume 3 DVD, there is a line that Frylock says to Meatwad earlier in the episode while the Turkatron is watching TV with Shake and then goes behind the curtains and passes out. It's around that time, Frylock says to Meatwad to bring the leftovers and band-aids to Carl. So the idea was that they were giving him leftovers, that's why he has the turkey leg, and they gave him band-aids, that's why his head is all fixed up at this point. So, kind of a, a big plot point, because it's like, well, why does Carl have turkey now? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's why he has it, because, you know, they obviously didn't include that in the final episode, but the idea was that the Aqua Teens gave him this stuff so that he'd have food, and so his head would be all fixed up. Let's jump over and listen to how this goes. We see the army of Turkatrons outside Carl's house, and they say he's in the turkey leg. They don't like it, but at their feet, we see they all have tube socks. They pick up the tube socks, and we see a bunch of lasers pointed at Carl, and then they kill him with the tube socks. So that's the big twist, the big reveal at the end, that even though we're kind of like joking around, oh, haha, these tube socks... This guy is just lying about everything. They actually were weapons, and we see it demonstrated in this clip at the very end. You have got to be freaking kidding me. What are you eating? This is your uh, great, great, great... Uh, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the end of the episode. Carl just stops caring. He just says, your mother, and then they kill him at the very end. So that is the dressing, but that is actually not all the content we get from this episode. We actually get a different ending theme song, which we used to get a, a decent amount back at the beginning of this season, but we haven't gotten in a long time. So definitely stick around for that. I will throw that on the end of the podcast, and it, it's specific to this episode. I believe it's Schooly D, you know, writing a specific little rap about Turkatron. I always loved it ever since I was a kid. It's very catchy, so you'll want to check that out. Of course, shout out to Barry Mills for hooking Aqua Teen up with Schoolie D and Schoolie D for writing all these awesome little songs that we get from time to time, as well as, the, you know, the intro. It, it's just a, a, a classic. You can't go wrong with a classic. So before I give you my thoughts and my kind of thoughts on this one compared to Cybernetic Ghost, 
let's jump over to the Toon Zone Forum, now called the Anime Superhero Forum, and see what people were saying the night that this episode aired all the way back in 2003. Overall, the reception was very positive. A lot of people saying that it's the best episode, instant classic, they love it. There were some people who weren't big fans of it. One person, uh, Mibbit Maker, didn't like the gross-out humor, which specifically is in the beginning. Like, a lot of people are complaining about gross-out humor, and then somebody asks, what gross-out humor? All of the gross-out stuff is in the beginning, otherwise nothing really happens in terms of violence. Like, Carl gets thrown out the window and his head is bleeding, but that's not gross-out humor. So a lot of people just, for whatever reason, did not really like that Space Ghost bit. I shouldn't say a lot of people. Some people didn't. A lot of people actually really liked it. And I should mention here, I did not mention it, I forgot to mention it, in the Space Ghost episode that airs later this night, Space Ghost dies on that episode. So it would have made a little bit more sense if, like, Space Ghost aired first and then Aqua Teen, because that way Space Ghost dies, and then it continues in Aqua Teen with Dr. Weird cutting off the head and then putting it on his own head. That'd be pretty funny, but that's not quite the case. But yeah, that's two episodes uh, this night in our Aqua Teen lineup that space ghost dies so people seem pretty interested in that lots of people saying that this is the best episode of the night of the new episodes between sea lab and space ghost and aqua teen uh somebody mentions apparently there's a terminator reference at the end that i did not catch because it's been so long since i've seen that movie so i should mention it here let me jump into a specific comment i'll focus on a, a negative one since overall people really love this one uh stranger ataru says this this really wasn't one of the better aqua teen hunger force for some reason and yet, this happens to be the best show of the night, due to C-Lab and Space Ghost, well, being worse. I think that there were several problems with this episode, including the overuse of gross-out humor in a couple places, semi-reusing another plot in another way. Yes, this did remind me of the robotic ghost of Christmas past from last year, and a personal complaint of my own, the overusage of the whole strange weirdos show up and bother the Aqua Teens and Carl plot they use a bit too much on this show. Sure, I don't mind it when it's good, but this and the Frat Aliens episode have made me realize that they use it a bit too often. But what did save this episode from being complete crap were stuff such as the Thanksgiving dinner at the beginning and the ending where we find out the truth about the turkeys and what happens to Carl. So, please, stop screaming out loud. I know some of you are ripping your earbuds out of your ears saying, what the fuck is this person talking about? Someone actually calls this guy out saying, like, that's the whole premise of the show is people showing up and shout out to user spastic minnow who then lists out the episodes where this doesn't happen. So this is the 39th episode of Aqua Teen and spastic minnow points out the nine episodes where there is not somebody who shows up. So this would be the nine episodes where it's just the Aqua Teens and Carl. Interesting here, the two episodes... And season one where this happens is Balloonenstein and Dumber Days. Otherwise, all 16 episodes in season one have other characters showing up. And then season two, we have Super Birthday Snake, Superhero, Super Bull, Supermodel, Super Squatter, Total Recarl, and Kidney Car so far where no villains show up. So, you know, again, nine of the 39 episodes is where that is not the case. That means there are 30 episodes where that is the case. That's the point of the show. And yeah, it just maybe maybe it seems like Aqua Teen isn't the show for Stranger Ataru. Again, with the overuse of gr gross out humor being a complaint, it's like, what's the overuse? It's just that really quick Dr. Weird skit at the beginning. And I love how they're like, oh, I noticed this was similar to the uh, cybernetic ghost. I think they call it the robotic ghost. I noticed this was similar. It's like, well, yeah, that's the point of the episode. 
And I don't mean to, to uh, you know, you know, dig into this person. That's not my intention with reading these. I just thought that was funny because this person seemingly doesn't like anything about Aqua Teen. But uh, ultimately, they did end up liking the episode, it seems, because they liked the Thanksgiving dinner part as well as the ending with Carl. So that's good, at least. Uh, <laughs> Joel Firestorm comes in with a hot take. Worst episode ever. Uh, I, I think I'll leave this there. Otherwise, all of the comments are very, very for this episode. Don't get me wrong. People overall on the uh, Toon Zone forum back in the day really dug this one. Let me look at IMDB really quick, because now we're going to move on to my thoughts and, uh, you know, also get into comparing this one to Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past from the Future. And Cybernetic Ghost is sporting an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDB with 261 votes, while The Dressing only has a 7.7 out of 10 with 171 votes, which is like pretty average for the season. It's not bad, but it's like not that good. And I think that's kind of BS. I think this episode deserves more than a 7.7 if, if Cybernet Ghost gets an 8.5. When it comes to which one I like more, I honestly don't know how to answer that. They are both very good episodes. And the reason I can't answer which one I like more is because they are very different episodes. And that is what I really like here. You know my complaint about MCP Pants versus Super Sirloin, I've talked about it a lot, is that those episodes are too similar. MCP Pants is a classic episode, one of the best of the series, hands down, I don't care what anybody says. And then Super Sirloin is basically the same thing, just not as good. That is not the case here. This is a very different episode. You know, we have the character coming back in a different form, but the way it interacts with the Aqua Teens is very different. What happens in the episode is very different. We have him kind of becoming an alcoholic in the episode. We got nothing like that in the original episode. So I really appreciate that. They really brought this character back for a reason. It's just so different. And I really like how they did that. Beyond that, we have the question of, is this actually the cybernetic ghost? I don't think it is. We know it's a Hushlin Tom Turkey. It's a toy. And the toys are malfunctioning and acting in this way. Now, there is obviously some sort of link here between the Hustlin' Tom Turkeys and Cybernetic Ghost. It clearly has memories of the Cybernetic Ghost, but we know for a fact it is not. So that makes me wonder, is the Cybernetic Ghost a toy that malfunctioned? And this is maybe from the same diabolical lab. We don't know where the cybernetic ghost really comes from, at least so far in the show. We didn't see Dr. Weird created. It would make sense if Dr. Weird created this thing at the beginning of a, of a Dr. Weird skit, but that is not the case. In the cybernetic ghost episode, cybernetic ghost is not in the Dr. Weird skit. So it's possible cybernetic ghost is a toy and then somehow it got linked up with the Hustlin' Tom Turkey. It's made by the same people or something, and that's why it shares these memories. I don't know, but I don't think this is the same character. Cybernetic Ghost does come back in the 2007 film, as well as, as the last one episode this season. And to my knowledge, I could be wrong. I don't think I am, though. There is no mention of, of this character being the turkey, and we can see the character still exists. So in this episode, Turkatron says, yeah, I came back you know, many months ago as this character, and now I'm back in this form now, too. But when we see Cybernetic Ghost later, there's no mention of Turkatron whatsoever. So there's there's just a big question mark here. We don't know, but I think it's safe to say that this is not the same character, although they are obviously related in some way. How that is, we don't know, but it, I think it's safe to say it's not the same character at all. And of course, I need to mention that Cybernetic Ghost shows up way more times than I listed. He will show up, you know, throughout the entire run of the series. I don't know if he mentions Turkatron in any of those. I don't think he does, though. So again, it... 
if if we want to speculate, I assume it's maybe made by the same company or something. That's why they're similar in some aspects, but not the same character. And again, I, I love this discussion because it just goes to show how unique the dressing is versus Cybernetic Ghost. They are just both very unique episodes that both really deserve to exist. And I know I'm always shitting on Super Sirloin. I, I love that episode. It is a great episode, but I just prefer MCP Pants more. I was bummed out that that episode was too similar. And they seem to have learned their lesson here. Really quickly, I went back between the two episodes and counted how many Ben Prisk drawings we got. Of course, not counting the outro because that outro art is also by Ben Prisk while the credits are rolling. Uh, in each episode, how much unique art we got. And to the best of my ability to count, because it is kind of confusing, especially in Cybernetic Ghost, because they do reuse drawings but change them a little bit. Uh, in the dressing, we get 10 drawings. And in the Cybernetic Ghost, we get 9 drawings. So we get one more Ben Prisk drawing here which is awesome. And I, I actually really, as I said in the episode, prefer the color palette and style here that Ben went with as opposed to the cybernetic ghost art, which is more kind of uh, old timey looking. This is, is just pretty to look at. I, I dig it a lot more in this episode. In a future episode, I do plan to go through and kind of compare all the voices between all these characters because they do kind of mess with the effects in every single one. But I'll wait probably till, you know, towards the end of the podcast's run to do that after we've covered everything because obviously I don't want to cover voices from episodes that we haven't discussed yet. So we'll get to that at some point, but this episode is not the time for that discussion. Overall, though, I found myself surprised how much I liked this one. I always figured that, like, oh, yeah, Cybernetic Ghost is the clear winner between the two. But after rewatching this, I'm not so sure. Not to say that I like this one more than Cybernetic Ghost. I really feel like they're on equal terms, and they both are doing very different things very well. Cybernetic Ghost has the really cool, you know, Danzig part, and... And just that everything in that episode is great. And everything in this episode, I really feel like is great too. There's no moments that I don't like in this one. It's just like a solid episode all the way through. In fact, this one actually has the better Dr. Weird opening because in Cybernetic Ghost, the opening to that one is just a big purple hand comes down and rips out Dr. Weird's castle while Dr. Weird and Steve just run across the bridge screaming. And that's it. It's like really short. That's it. Well, this one, we have all that Space Ghost stuff. We have Seth Green in it. It's a lot more interesting, I think. So this one easily has the better Dr. Weird skit. But between the two episodes themselves, I don't know. And I think that's a good thing because Cybernetic Ghost, I already knew, is a solid classic episode. And I really hold this one up there as well. I really like what they did with the ambiguity in this one as we just got done talking about, you know, is it Cybernetic Ghost? Is it not? I like that a lot. All the jokes are just so funny. I, I feel like I was laughing almost nonstop through this one. With everything having been said, I feel like I gotta give this one five sticks of butter with bite marks in them out of five. I just have to, because that's what I gave Cybernetic Ghost, and I honestly hold this one in the same esteem. Of course, this one isn't as strong without Cybernetic Ghost, but I'm not gonna dock the episode for that. It's a great entry in the series that is the Cybernetic Ghost. I love it. I think it's a classic episode, an underrated episode, and I'm sticking to it. So, all right, that is it for me this week. Remember, stick around for the end of the show if you want to hear the little outro music that plays in this episode. Very catchy, very good. My biggest complaint is we don't have like full tracks of these. I really wish that we did, but definitely worth listening to. Thanks for sticking around and talking teens with me. If you want to support this show, please head on over to patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden. If you want to support the show, but you can't do so financially, just try and share the show and get it in other people's ears. Ultimately, though, just keep on listening. If you're listening this far, you're probably pretty damn cool, and I really, really, really appreciate that. If you don't mind, I'd love to shout out the homies really quick, the number one in the hood G tier patrons, 
Sean, Ian, Keenan, Captain Buford, Brian, Robison, Carl, and Reverend Raven 46. You guys can have a bite of my taco pie any day of the week. I'll see you next week. Guess what? We're doing a community jiggle because you know what? I miss doing those. Also, you're hearing it here first. When we do eventually cover the Moon Knight Aquadonk side piece, I really want to try and get Nick Gibbons on, the guy who plays the live action person in that short. I want to get him on, and I just was not able to do that this month because I'm getting somebody else on the show. We'll talk about that next month. So it would have been too much for me to try and do all these interviews at once. Hence, we also didn't have Ben Prisk on for this episode because it just would have been too much. But don't worry, next month, we're going to have a really exciting time. I'm really, really stoked. But until then, see you next week for our community jiggle. If you're a patron, a moon master, well, first of all, you'll know who our special guest will be on the podcast. Also, please check the Patreon and submit any questions you might have. Otherwise, if you're a patron next month, we're also deep diving in and wrapping up the 2007 film. Until then, take care, why don't you? Bye-bye. Shrine, you can't with me.